What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and as always, I'm joined by Lyndon Burton. Lyndon, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. You know, doing doing very swell. We got a big pitch it match this week. Super excited about that. You guys can stick around to the end to see who is the winner of the Jake Madison Lyndon match. I'm not gonna say anymore because that's coming up. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Root. I'm also excited. We got to run it Root back for Jake up. Madison because if Jake Madison wins, we get a second second matchup. That is true. We got to get another matchup if he wins. So I'm excited for whichever way the co- cookie crumbles. But also excited that we got a good. We have we got to run it back this week. Ian picked a movie that I was like low key super excited. No, it's about. not this week. It's for next week because it's, we'll because as we might as well say it up top. We there won't be an episode next week. Yeah, there's but, not gonna be an episode next week. Um, but we will try and do something for the Mandalorian, depending. Uh, we assume that it's going to be a filler episode. Yeah. So like, it probably wouldn't have. It probably won't be too big of a deal to miss. But we probably will try and do something to try and you know if something Lynn tries to do like running back or something. Like We're not some, running back, but uh, do a live show late night with Lynn. Something just it just depends. It depends on like Sunday night when I get back. It, it also depends. It it just depends on like how that episode goes as well. True. Like maybe I'll even to do a damn sh- Twitch stream or something. Like if it's like do one if it's if it's fire. If, but if it's I, fire. But I, don't, I don't think it's gonna be good because like we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We got a lot to get into with that. But excited about that. But yeah, man, we might as well get started. Not to delay the inevitable of pitch it and talking about the best Mandalorian episode ever. Mm, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh, bro. Oh my what? gosh. You don't think it was the best one? Uh, I still it's still very hard for me not to think that the Cobb Vanth episode was the best one. Of course you do. But but just know Jedi changed Star Wars. When you put a Jedi in a Star Wars episode, it puts it up a level. Like it puts it up like the fact that I, th- I think what was the greatest about this was that well, we'll get into it. We get we, we're getting yeah. way ahead of ourselves because, like, you know, I'm not saying that it was like a, a crap episode. So, I mean, oh we're my gonna talk god, about it. wait, yeah, let's let's just I'll just wait because the fact that yeah, the word around crap around no, this I'm saying episode, I'm saying it's not. I'm saying it's not okay. 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 All no, right. I mean, like, I, you know, we're just talking about like best episode out there. My favorite episode that I've seen in the Mandalorian so far that really kind of like blew my blew me away was Cobb Vanth, and I guess it was mainly because like there was so much uncertainty behind whether or not what that Timothy Oliphant character was going to be, oh. and then and then the reveal at the end was like, you know, I don't know. Like a, this one had like four reveals, <laughs> like. It, and and again, with the what happens with the, that that Covant episode, what does the reveal at the end mean for the Mandalorian show? That's the question, and we'll talk about all that when we get into it. Uh, but yeah, London, I'm ready to go. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's get started. So jumping into the Star Wars section, we kind of teased a little bit of what we're going to talk about later. I also want to tease that some of the answers that we have to some of the questions were were answered in a Vanity Fair article with Dave Filoni and uh, Rosario Dawson. Very good read if you want to go check that out. Um, Goes in depth about how she was fan casted and stuff about the, the lore of the show on Dave's side and more about 
Rosario and how being in Star Wars affected her and her relationship with Ashley Eckstein and all that. All touched in in that article is a really good read for after the episode. Um, next, I want to say rest in peace to David Prose, who is the body actor for Darth Vader in the original trilogy. Rest in peace. So another another one of the original trilogy guys um, is no longer with us. Pretty much Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford are, and James Earl Jones are it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, uh, then I then I got from shout out to Daniel RPK. The Soka Show will have Sabine in it. Ooh, five. And that's something we're going to talk more about later on. And that was definitely the assumptions. And it it also goes into something that Dave Filoni mentioned in his Vanity Fair article. So we'll talk about all that at the end of the news. Okay. Cool, so cool. the next bit I have here is that there were some leaked set videos of the Hawkeye series that confirmed that Haley Seinfeld will play Kate Bishop. Like 1000%. Uh, she was running through the thing dressed up as every, and next to Jamie with a, Renner. Holding a bow with yeah. Jamie Renner and a dog. Unless they're doing something else, then it's not that. But like, nah, it's it's 1000% that. Good for, good for Haley Seinfeld. Now, now she's like uh, Haley Steinfeld and she has her own yeah. like uh, franchise now. Well, besides Bumblebee. But I mean, I guess it wasn't her franchise. Yeah, that's dead. That's not, nothing more is coming from that. There's not a lot of things that Haley Steinfeld has done that I didn't like. I like that movie that she did about her as a high schooler. Yeah, um, with, with Woody uh, Harrelson? With, uh, no, with it was Paul Rudd, I'm pretty sure. Uh, with Paul Rudd? What movie am I thinking it, of? Where Woody Harrelson was a teacher? It might have been Woody Harrelson. Yeah, it was Woody Harrelson. My bad, my bad. I'm thinking of a different movie with Paul Rudd. Say, but, I, don't, I don't think I've seen any Paul Rudd. Uh, but uh, yeah, movies. it was that Woody Harrelson one. And then I really liked Bumblebee. I think Bumblebee is a must watch for people who are trying not to watch Transformers movies. And then True Grit. One of her earlier stuff that she did, she was phenomenal in. So I'm just a big fan. Yeah, good for her, man. I'm excited for that. You yeah, know, then, solid. Oh, and the second bit is that the rumors are that Florence Pugh's character, Yelena Belova, will make an appearance in the series. She's also supposed to make an appearance in Falcon Winter Soldier, but I mean, we, we don't know more about her. Uh, this lady's the new Black Widow. Like, let's yes. just call a spade a spade. Like, this is we, we should, well, we should I mean, know we should this by, know now. by now. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. That so, is a fact. So like I can't that, blame them for like going forward with what they're trying to do because like we should know by now. Yeah, that's and that's why we have to find out through like a THR news uh, drop off. But you know, whatever. Good, good for that. I feel so bad for Scarlet Joe. Like, why am I going to watch this movie but to see how the new Black Widow is? I don't, I don't care about Scarlet Joe's character in this in this movie. I only care about the villain in Florence Pugh's character. Scarlett Pretty much. just did. She has no Well, yeah, point. I mean, yeah, they really did Black Widow wrong. They did her kind of dirty. Yeah, they're like, we're going to kill you off, and then we're going to give you a, pre- a prequel movie that has nothing to do with the new phase. But we are going to reintroduce Florence Pugh, who's now going to be your the character. Character, yeah, exactly. It yeah. Just, I only thing they didn't couldn't control was the pandemic, because that just makes yeah. it even... even even shittier so but you know good good for all good for uh, marvel excited for all this uh next up gal gadot is lining up her own spy series the actor is teaming up with skydance media uh for heart of stone a, a potential franchise starter that has the aeronaut filmmaker tom harper attached to direct and the legendary comic writer greg rucka is also uh, in tabs to write it good for gal gadot we'll see we'll see if she can do it we'll see because like Charlize Theron killed Atomic Blonde. 
like if we're gonna talk about lady spy movies, I don't know if Gal Gadot can hit the mark. I'm gonna just be honest. I don't know if she can. Like hitting Wonder Woman seems like, and this is no disrespect to her Wonder Woman because I love it, but like that's easier for me to believe than her doing a spy series. She's basically a Boy Scout in Wonder Woman. She's basically one note of like, yeah, I save people. Yeah, I'm about love. Like if she has to multifacet and do like a spy, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's why they call it potential franchise starter here because the the potential is there. Gal Gadot, she's now a seasoned actor. Yeah, so she has she can she can go in to this and kind of make it her own. And you know, having Tom Harper be the director, you know, we haven't seen him do too much in the movie space, but he did work. Uh, uh, he was a big part of the beginning of Peaky Blinders. So, true. you know, I have seen some stuff that I do like with him, um, but we'll see what they can do here, teaming up to do this spy f- franchise. I mean, this is what we've been asking for. You know, no, let's not make James Bond a female. Let's get our own spy franchise. Get a new IP, a- yeah. And so, you know, I just don't we, know if that's the actress for it. For it so. I just don't yeah, know if that's I, the actress for it. Don't necessarily know if Gal Gadot was the actress for that, but. We will we will find out. I mean, this is her opportunity to sh- prove she's more than just Wonder Woman. Yeah, true, one thousand percent. If this doesn't work, then she's definitely gonna be like typecast as Wonder Woman for a hot minute. But uh, I digress. Next up, we got some trailers, and I, I'm gonna shit on like at least one of them. But we got Life in a Year, which is seems like the new age Nicholas Sparks. Fucking, they had the one with the deaf girl in like. It was like the death black girl. I, I I just I just I just remember that it's that type of movie where Jaden Smith. It's like the Fallen like Our Stars, is what this, you're saying. Yeah, the Fallen the Stars type movie. He's this preppy kid, and he falls in love with like this grungy, uh, what's alternative what's girl, Alter, alternative grungy girl who is played by Cara Delevingne. She only has one life to live, uh, one year to live. So, and it's messing up Jaden and his dad's plans, and it's just about their life. This movie looks dog shit. <laughs> the one thing I'm the one thing I've been thinking of when it comes to to Cardell of Mean, and it's not necessarily that I have anything against her, but I just don't I don't know if I've ever liked anything that she's really done. Paper Towns is the only thing I've liked that she's. I like well, I mean, I not movie wise, like I like Paper Towns, but I don't know if I liked her character in Paper Towns or like mm. her portrayal of her character in Paper Towns. All right, that I can't get, I can't be mad so at like. That. And like when it, when I think about Suicide Squad, I think about how she was the worst one in it. She was, she and was. And like, I just don't know. I just don't know about her. I'm following her on Instagram like a year ago because like I just, I, it was it was too much. It was time. <laughs> like so, I'm 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 out on her. But you know, it's whatever. I also thought she was too old to do a movie like this. Yeah, it, that kind of messed with me because like I know she's like our age, and Jaden's like. He's yeah, yeah, he's like I mean, 19, 20. He can still do one of these movies. I just don't buy that Cara Delevingne's in there. I just, I just don't. I just, I just don't. I also I don't, feel I, like Jaden. I also feel like Jaden's trying to play his character from his anime series. He could in real life. He could have did. See, he could have choose. Like, he needs to choose better movies, man, because that was not the role that he needed to do. But the one thing I noticed, when maybe I was, it's like, to make this. him a heartthrob. You know, maybe. Maybe. I mean, the one thing I did notice in this episode, I was like, man, does he look like his dad? Like, he yeah, just he like, did. there were some scenes where I turned and I was like, is that Will Smith? Like, 
He, we'll see. More man. so than I've ever seen him before in this movie, he looks so much like him. And maybe that's what they were going for. Who knows? But I'm not. I'm um, not a fan of Life in a Year. The next one is starring my girl Tessa T. Uh, Sylvia's Love. It's an Amazon movie, but it's also starring NBA superstar Shea Gillis Alexander. Oh, uh, come no, on. That's my that's my joke. He looks he looks like Shea Gilgis Alexander in that trailer. But it's starring NFL star Namdi Asamoa, which blew my fucking mind. Like I did not know Namdi Asamoa was an actor. Yeah, but- L- Lyndon came at me like off air. He was like, "Oh yeah, look up Shea Gilgis Alexander. The guy looks just like him." I'm like, "Well, it's funny because he's also an athlete." Didn't like, know. What? I was shocked. I used to draft that guy in Madden all the time, but this looks actually pretty good. Like, doesn't seem like it's going to have a racial aspect, just a straight love movie in the 50s with some black people. I can get down with that. I ain't mad at it. Plus, it involves jazz. Feels like an old-timey La La Land-esque film movie, like how he's going to do his music career and she's trying to get in the TV. Feels feels kind of like that vibe. Very, it has similar tones Elements. to Notebook where, like, they split off for a while and come back together having lived different lives how does that connect you know i thought that this was a pretty solid movie for what it is you know it's obviously like a a romantic movie and if that's your bag that night of course amazon's gonna put out a good one yeah no this one like like i said wasn't into life in a year this i could probably watch and not be upset so you know that's that's a positive in my book the next one right. is I do not know how to pronounce this, but the the, the I March, barely do soon. the Marchurian or the Mar the that's the, pretty close the Marichurian or whatever whatever it is, bro. The, yeah, the the Mauritarian tyranny, the Mauritarian or something. It, uh, do you did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I watched the trailer. It's the okay. it's the. Uh, Oh my gosh! What is the lady's name from Jodie Foster? Yeah, it's the Jodie Foster. Uh, Shailene Woodley. Shay, yeah, Shailene Woodley, Benedict Cumberbatch movie where they're trying to Zach Levi, where they're trying to um, defend the guy from Gitmo who was uh, a, allegedly a part of nine eleven, but apparently he wasn't, and like it's a big conspiracy and all kind of shit based on true events. I'm gonna watch it. I'm always down to see how America's being crazy. At first, when I read the description, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch this. <laughs> and then, like, I watched the trailer, and I was like, oh, no. I, I think this is kind of interesting. Like, I'm going to watch it. It looked, it looked pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Benedict Cumberbatch killing it with a southern accent, or at least attempting to, tr- to try. It wasn't bad. It wasn't Daniel Craig levels of bad, because Daniel Craig was clowning and knives out. But I, I digress. That was just one of my downsides of that but Benny Cumberbatch he did, did, did a decent job Zach Levi being like some douchey CIA guy I kind of dug so like Me too. That, that was pretty cool but you know I'm interested to see what how America screwed this guy or if they did or if this guy was guilty or what, whatever the case may be but, yeah this movie is supposed to come out next February so we'll find out where we are at the moment when when with uh how that gets released but Look out for that uh, next year. Yeah, and the final trailer we got is the uh, Euphoria uh, Rue trailer episode. It's not a se- it's not a new season. It's just like a special about Rue that comes out on uh, the six. That's my movie on the rise. But the trailer we're talking about it right now. Look at me, pretty decent. It just picks up right where we left, like when she was going on that train with that girl, and uh, she decided not to. And I'm guessing she called her. Is that her uh, grandpa or dad? No, that's the guy that she met at the clinic. Oh, oh, the the that's um, that's giving her advice or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Word, 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 word. Well, yeah, she meets yeah. up with that guy and they have a conversation. 
So that's pretty much the yeah. Trade. So what I'm curious about with that is like how much is it going to be mostly picking up where we are, you know? And is this like the start of a, a chain of short vignette episodes of I definitely think it's where the start our characters of that. are. And like, which characters are we going to focus on? Obviously, Rue, but you know, which what other few characters will they will they touch on as well? We're definitely getting at least two more. We're definitely getting at least two more. We're Rue's Rue's friend, and then the jock guy. We're getting one with both of those peeps. Maybe my guy, um, uh, my guy Asher. Maybe him. Who knows? That's oh, is he the dude who is hooking up with? uh, the bald guy, or like the 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 the, the uh, hood looking white guy. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. That guy. So maybe maybe he gets one. Who knows? We shall see. But this is dope. If this is the way they're gonna lead us to season two, this is a very interesting way to do it. So shout out to Euphoria. Shout out to Drake. Shout out to Zendaya for putting this together. Definitely, I love the show. So I can't wait to watch that. Um, one person who was really great in that movie that was my movie on the rise last week, Happiest Season, was Aubrey Plaza. And Aubrey Plaza will star opposite Jason Statham in Guy Ritchie's untitled thriller, formerly titled Five Eyes. What a weird Statham case. will portray an agent recruited by the Global Intelligence Alliance, Five Eyes, to track down and stop the sale of a deadly new weapon that threatens to disrupt the world. Reluctantly paired with a high-tech CIA expert, he sets off on a globe-trotting mission to infiltrate a billionaire arms broker. Hopefully, this isn't cheesy, but like you know, I, when you th- when you when you say pairing Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza, you think kind of cheesy, but then you hear Guy Ritchie, and it's like, oh, well, the gentleman was good, Mary well, Muscle the, was good, and that's the thing about Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza has come a long way from April from Parks and Rec. Yeah, this is like her opportunity to show that she can do something maybe a little more serious. Like obviously knowing who she is, there's going to be like a little bit of comedic element. And you know, Jason Statham can play comedy. I mean, yeah, and I mean, if we saw from the gentleman, we can get both comedy and seriousness from uh, exactly. You know, this this could be good, but this could be bad. We gave our top five directors list last week, and I wanted to for a minute but i knew that they would be terrible it's just because like personally i'm i love guy Ritchie movies and so like i'm ready for another guy Ritchie film well hopefully this this uh this uh you know fulfills your desire to see another guy Ritchie film hopefully this one's good but you know like i said the last one was great be, this could either be really good or really bad like one of those like Two stars super, super that, stinkers. Two stars that shouldn't be in an action spy movie together. Guy Ritchie's King Arthur. Yeah. So, but we shall see. Although I'm kind of a fan of Guy Ritchie's King Arthur, but I digress. I have it on DVD. I enjoy it. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, the first set photos from Ryan Reynolds' new Netflix movie, The Adam Project, are here. The upcoming features sees Reynolds relearning or, or reteaming with five a free guy director. Sean Levy, and we've learned that Mark Ruffalo will be joining the cast, as well as Catherine Keener, Zoe Saldana, and Jennifer Gardner. A sci-fi action movie will follow Reynolds' character, who is forced to go back in time and unite with his 13-year-old self so he can find his brilliant physicist father, played by Ruffalo. And uh, Keener will play the Adam Project's villain from Ruffalo's character. It's unclear what role Saldana and Garner will be playing. I don't Probably think this one is of gonna... them will be his wife or girl. Or Let mom. me say this. 
I don't think it's going to be good. When you hear uh, Jennifer Garner's in a new movie, and then you hear Zoe Saldana's in a Ryan Reynolds movie with Jennifer Garner, I don't know. The only person whose name makes me think this might be good is Mark Ruffalo. But, like, I don't know if he can save this. This is Netflix, sci-fi, Ryan Reynolds with Jennifer Garner and Zoe Saldana. Not, not, it's not looking too good for this one. Now, and as a time travel stand, one thing that gives me extreme caution is that a guy is going to team up with his 13-year-old self. How does that that's mesh a, into a time travel that's a, movie? That's a paradox. Wait, that is a time travel no-no. Yeah, so... Like I said, I don't, I don't know about this one. This one this one does not sound too, too good. Ryan Reynolds is just going to be doing his shtick in another movie, so you know how Pretty I feel much. about that. But next up, we got Peter Dinklage will star in the reboot of The Toxic Avenger for Legendary. Variety has confirmed that Malcolm Blair will write and direct what is described as a contemporary reimagining of Traumas Entertainment's 1984 hit of the same name. Dinklage will play Toxie, the superhero around which the film centers. Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Ehrs will serve as producers uh, originally known as Melvin, the protagonist becomes disfigured when he's pushed in a vat of toxic waste and assumes the mon- the moniker Toxie. But in order to save his son, friends, and community from corruption and greed, Toxie must rise to the occasion as an underdog superhero. I'm guessing this is a comedy, huh? I don't know, but Toxie is just like too funny of a name for someone who is dropped in toxic waste. Yeah, I don't know. If this is a comedy, I'm all for it. If it's a serious thing, then they're going to have to sell me on this. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking up the old one. It does look like a comedy. Okay, so if it's a comedy, then I can I can get down with it. It was a comedy. All right. Good for uh, Peter Dinklage getting work. Hopefully it's good. So, you know. But the next thing, I, this is what I'm hyped for. So I'm, I, the, they're casting a black actor in the season three of Titans, which I believe is going to be Tim Drake. I believe they're race bending Tim Drake, if I'm not mistaken. But if it's not Tim Drake, then we shall see. But Jason Todd will die and come back as Red Hood to kill the Titans. So that means we're going to see a time skip. Most of the season will take place in Gotham. Scarecrow and Starfire's sister are the two villains of this season. And Barbara mm-hmm. Gordon will play a big role. How Another do we Scarecrow. feel about this? How do we feel about this? Um, I, I know, like, is Jason gonna die like in the beginning of this? Like, are we gonna do like episode yes. one? Jason dies, no. then we flash forward three years. Or are we gonna do? Let's say what it's, it's normally been what eight or ten episodes. What? It's like twelve. Twelve. Oh well, then he's gonna die. He's dying in third two. or fourth episode. Oh, you think third or fourth? And or... then we're gonna have like a brief deal with like starfire sister like we're gonna have like some focus in on that for a minute and then like the second half to to the end he'll come back well we gotta get a time jump because like if he's gonna die and then come that's why i think it happens in episode one and then we time jump and then deal with like starfire sister scarecrow and then he comes like like you say like episode five we start getting premonitions of like oh what's why who is this person tormenting dick and it's oh yeah, it's, it's like red that. it's it's red hood who is this but i think we're going to see him die no later than episode 2 now is there any other person in lore who could kill him the, the black actor could be besides tim drake 
Because I mean, I don't have any problem with him. With you know, black. I mean, I don't think they. I don't think they would. But it's like, is there someone that they're trying to lean towards? I don't think they cast Duke, which is like one of the the newer Robins. But like, I'm. Well, here's what I was going to say. Like Tim Drake. What if they decided they wanted to cast a Jefferson? Oh, it's like one of the one of the Pierce kids. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Because we do see him interact with Dick. Yeah, he does. He does. It just depends on how how old they're going for this. If it's if it's an old person, then then I'd be down for it. If it's a young person, ninety five percent sure it's Tim. Ninety because they, they, they would be a, 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 it's you know it's either got to be within range like it's got to be a young person if it's going to be Tim, and it's got to be an I'd say at Brendan Thwaites age or older. Yeah, for Jefferson. Yeah, if it's that, if it's Brendan Thwaites age or older, then I could see it being Jefferson. But if it's if it's someone that's like sixteen, that's gonna be Tim for sure, for sure. Especially if we're gonna get that Nightwing spinoff, they gotta have yeah. a Robin in place. But you know, that's all the Titans news. Hopefully, we get it like soonish, summer. I'm I'm ready for it, man. I am super ready for it. I'm tired of getting all the news from series that we're supposed to get this year. And it's just like news is just piling up, so we're just learning more and more about it. Like what just happened with that uh, with uh, the Black Widow news. Like all that shit's just piling up, and it's like we got to find out about it at some point because someone's gonna leak it. So it's like, yeah, I feel like I know too much about Titan season three already. We don't even have a trailer. Yeah, I mean, I think everything in the story that you said for this is about what I about what we thought. Yeah, um, you know, Barbara Gordon, Red Hood. The only thing that th- throws me off really is Scarecrow. I'm like, do we need Scarecrow? Like, come on. We gotta see. We gotta see. It's good. It might, might just be like a little side villain. I just don't know how Superboy ties in all this. It's a good point. Because this is very bat heavy. This is like we're just gonna we're just gonna focus in on Dick. Now Superboy could assist Starfire in fighting Starfire's sister, all aliens. True. But I just don't know, like, are we just gonna ditch his whole Lex Luthor backstory? That's the point. Is are that going to be... saving that for when they do the spinoff? May, yeah, I mean, that's possible. I'm also thinking, like, what I was mentioning earlier on is that, you know, Jason, the Jason stuff happens early. And as, instead of, like, a time jump, per se, we'd focus in on another story mm-hmm. for, like, two or three episodes. And then we'd realize that there's been a, a time that has passed, you know? Okay, okay. I just don't. I just don't know, man. They got a lot of stuff they're juggling, and I don't know if they're gonna pull through. But we'll see. It's on HBO. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's fire. And, and Brendan Thwaites said this is the best season yet, so we shall see. Well, it might be the best season for him. He, he said it's the best season yet. So, All right. well, the night we talked about Jaden Smith. Now we're gonna talk about his mother, Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith will star in Red Zone, an upcoming drama that will be released by Netflix and produced by Westbrook Studios. The film that, is, is, that, on, is that is that Russ's production company? Might be. Might be. Uh, the film is based on a true story of Tia McGee, played by Pinkett Smith, a single mother who helps her sons and her high school football team and their high school football teammates, the bros, heal after the murder of their best friend, Dominic Red. One by one, the boys are moving into her house and soon 17 of the bros are living under her roof. Eventually all of them go to college and four make it to the NFL. McGee's son, Brandon McGee became a linebacker for the Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and was later drafted by the Boston Red Sox. 
So is this a sports movie? Yeah, it's a sports movie. It's a sports movie that I'm more interested in than dumb Clemson one. Mm, all right. Touche, touche. Owen oh, Westbrook Studios is Will and Jada's production company, not Russell mm. Westbrook's. But all right, but he cool. does have he does have a film company. He so does, he does. Him, Kyrie, a bunch of them have one. So that's why that's the only reason why I thought so. But interesting, Bronze Studios, Westbrook Studios, neither of them owned by the guy that you would think they're <laughs> yeah. they be owned by. Neither one of them. But you know, I wonder if there was some trademark uh, trademark issues. I know Bron is pissed. Like you chose my whole name, but same thing with Westbrook. This kind of it's kind of wild. But you know, good for uh, Jada. You know, we'll see if this is good. But like you said, sounds better than the Clemson one. But I don't know by how much. Yeah, it really all depends on like what the substance of the film is. And it kind of goes into what we're going to talk about next is like, where is the conflict? What is the resolution? And I kind of just kind of want to lead into that now. The next story is a there's going to be a biopic about the Seattle-based classic rock band Heart that's going to be produced for Amazon. You know, we trust Amazon. Yeah, we but do. But my thing is, when I found this out, I looked up, you know, Heart's history. Because the only thing I know is that they did the song Barracuda. And I look in their history and there really isn't anything that's like, uh, they had like serious drug issues because you know, like, we watched what the Motley Crue movie, which was really entertaining. And they had a lot of stuff to talk about. We've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of stuff. Maybe they kept about. it close to chest. Like maybe like all the, the people, the members, like family have like stories that like never got out. Maybe, but I mean, that's the thing. Like if you're trying to pitch me a biopic and it comes in the stuff that we talk about with pitch it sometimes is like, if you're going to pitch me something, you know, there's got to be some kind of conflict that is going to draw me in. Like whenever I, I remember being a judge for some pitch and stuff and people are like pitching a biopic, I'm like, okay, well, what are the events in their life that would make compelling a movie? And yeah, that's true. where I'm seeing with, with, with this. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I don't know too much about the band, but like, like I said, hopefully it's like one of those situations where like a widow or a brother or a, if the band's still alive, one of their members like have like a bunch of stories like close to the vest, ready to pull out. And maybe that'll be the case. But speaking of biopics, Barack was telling Drake he could play. Drake could play him. I don't know if I'd like that. I don't know if I'd like that. I don't know if I'd like Drake's big acting role to be to play Barack Obama. I think it'd be interesting, but I don't I think, think there's better people. I don't think that's the more movie. suited actors. We don't. Hey, don't do that. You don't know if the guy, if the boy, won't become a great actor. We see Namdi Asamoa transitioning from football, and he's now. I, I, I don't think that Drake's a bad actor. I mean, you know, obviously, Wheelchair Jimmy was an all-time he, classic. He could have progressed. That's all I'm saying. He could have. He could have progressed, and he maybe could pull off Barack. But I just don't know if I want that to be his role. You know. But that's all we got with news this week. That's about it. That's about that's it. That's about it. Um, so we'll jump in the movie on the rise. Uh, Lyndon, you mentioned yours, Euphoria. Do you have another one? No, that's it. I just have Euphoria, Rue. Not much coming out this week. Um, for me, I, we, you know, we talked about Big Mouth season four's trailer a few episodes back that comes out this week. I just mentioned it because I'll probably watch it, but I don't know if it's going to be that great. Um, I, when I went on Netflix today, I saw that they had the MTV series, Are You the Ones? First two seasons on there. That show was my guilty pleasure of all time back then. It was the competition romance show that got me into competition reality shows. And, uh, you know, watch it at your own risk because I watched the first couple episodes and it is very, very cringy to watch it in 2020. I could only very imagine. Very cringy. 
I could only um, imagine. But I'm interested in your next one, man. Uh, yeah, the we got David, the new David Fincher film. Yeah, two movies to come into Netflix this week and next week. Um, later this week on Friday, we'll have the David Fincher film Mank, with starring Gary Oldman, talking about the um, the process of making Citizen Kane, which yeah. you know is regarded as one of the greatest movies ever. It's I. I mean, I've never it. seen it. If you don't see it for the rest of your life, you're okay. But I, I think yeah. you should see it. But if you don't, you're okay. Now, this movie is Mank is all in black and white, um, but it, it has a good cast and it seems pretty interesting. So and it's I think Fincher. it might be worth a check out. I'm definitely, we're definitely watching it to review it on this show. And then when we come back. Well, we got time. So yeah, well, yes, we do. Um, and next week, Ava, starring Jessica Chastain, will be out. It's a. Uh, she's, isn't she an assassin or some shit like that? Yeah, it's an assassin movie. No, okay. See if I pull up the uh, the actual. Hopefully, hopefully, it's better than Extraction and Old Guard. Yeah, and- Ava is a deadly assassin who works for a black ops organization, traveling the globe, specializing in high profile hits. When a job goes dangerously wrong, she is forced to fight for her own survival. Stars her, John Malkovich, Common, um, Colin Farrell. Are the Pretty big good cast. Pretty good cast. Yeah. I definitely might check that out too. But yeah, that's all we got this week for Movie on the Rise. Let's jump into Mando before the pitching match. Okay, like I was saying when we started this show, when you put a Jedi in Star Wars, it just elevates it. You cannot tell me that scene with Ahsoka in the beginning was fire. You can't tell me that scene where Mando comes up to her and he's blocking the fucking lightsaber beam with fucking... uh, with his uh, Beskar, you can't tell me the when we find out young baby Yoda's name is Grogu through some force talk, bl- mind blowing. Then you you can't tell me when we go find out that the magistrate or whatever the hell that lady's name is works for Thrawn, and then she busts out the Beskar spear, and we got a we got a Kill Bill montage scene, we got a Kill Bill homage scene between. The magistrate and and Ahsoka, and let me say, Ahsoka, you should not, you should have beat that beat that lady's ass a lot sooner than 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 it did. But I digress. You can't well, tell you me know, this that, wasn't the well, best the best Mando episode, bro. No way. I mean, it could be the best Mando episode for some people, and I definitely think it's one of the best episodes they've ever had on the show. Uh, you know, this second season has obviously hit way harder than the first season. Um, you know, my issues with the episode, if we want to talk about that off the bat, is that I don't know what show I was watching. Oh, I that makes t- any sense. I told you that last week. We talked about that last week, and you said you wanted it to be the Mando show, which I think they, I think they did a good enough job of still making they, Mando important. They did. They did. And, and so, I, I think mean, they, and I think they showed off his badassness because. He, Ahsoka didn't beat him like off rip. Like let's let's keep no. let's keep it a bean. Mando held his own. I think he did better than the magistrate, but I think he was still lost e- either way. But I mean, this is the backdoor pilot for the Ahsoka show. That's what I'm saying. Like, is this season going to be looked upon later on as just the backdoor for numerous other things? Like, you know, I mentioned that Cobb Vanth episode. Like, is that whole big reveal for Boba Fett have nothing to do with this show, but for a spinoff show? Does, like, this whole episode with Ahsoka have nothing to do with her, like, being a part of the show? Just that we wanted to show that she's going to be in the world for this and this and this. And then, you know, what I was mentioning earlier on with the Filoni interview in Vanity Fair... People were wondering, you know, where does this fall in the timeline of post-Rebels? 
And apparently he's saying that this is probably pre them going out and finding finding Ezra, which makes a lot more sense to the things. And that was something that I had, I had to read that because it, it bothered me at first. Cause I was like, well, what the heck happened to Sabine? What the heck happened? So I think she had to be in this episode though. I think it's the only way we find out about Grogu. I think she's the only, like the only, and like, that's why, whereas I'll concede the Boba Fett thing being like, uh, does he have any purpose to this show? I don't know. That could have just been backdoor pilot nonsense. Or just fan service. Or Yeah, it was, exactly. But this felt like it belonged very much so. This felt like this was a plan, like, since since season one. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, everything kind of led up to having to find a Jedi. And, and there's still, no and, other Jedi you we, can choose at that point. Like, she's the only that, we'll safe get to one. That. We'll get to that. Bro, don't... People well, are no, saying they're going to bring in Luke. No fucking way. Lyndon, we'll chill, we'll chill, chill. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because, like, obviously this episode opened up the possibility that we're going to have other Jedi appear. But the thing is, is, like, this was the obvious choice, especially the, for a Filoni-led in the easiest to, to have this episode with this character show up. And I don't... I have no issue with what they've done and how, and how the episode Dawson turned out. killed it. I thought that she was a perfect perfect casting for yeah. Ahsoka because like I've watched that and I didn't even know that it was Rosaria Dawson like obviously I knew but I mean I, like you look at no, the character yeah, and like I know that's saying. Ahsoka yeah I was like, with it 100% of the mannerisms you know the way that she was like every detail was to the T for Ahsoka and it was completely amazing um you know and like you said with the scenes that you get you know the early scene with her fighting um, her way through the wall, you know, you, you can tell that this also was a Floney directed episode because you get huge Avatar vibes. That was totally like bossing. Say a lot of the um, the architecture was very similar to stuff you would see in Avatar. The, I mean, the Last Airbender, not the Blue People. Everyone, no, no, I got and you. and uh, yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that he was touching in, and you know, there was talk about how George Lucas was on the set for some of these, and you can tell that he. Filoni was obviously playing an homage to the influences that Lucas brought into Star Wars, the Western, you know, yeah. Din, Din and uh, Michael Bean. Uh, standoff. Yeah. Standoff. Like that was a, one of the highlights of the episode for me, even though it was very anticlimactic, but still it was, you know, very tension driven. Western samurai, just fusion, man. That's what this was. For sure. Was, it was um, great. Like I said, the standoff with the magistrate in the was awesome. That was yeah, so that that was very Bill. yeah, it was very samurai. It was, it was, it was awesome. And it, it was even more samurai when you, the fact of they're taking the, like, she's being like this overpowering lord that comes and takes over this feudal place and puts like families in prisons and whatnot. And the real lord is being held under. So it just felt very samurai. And Ahsoka is like fact. this. The ran- in the, the in the mist, the random Ronin that comes mm-hmm. in, that wanders in, who has no master, which she doesn't, and like she just comes in to save the town, and is helped by this this random gunslinger, this 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 other Ronin. And you know, I feel like her and Din meeting does a lot for his character development as well. You know, him, we see that he's already developed as a character because when he gets there and is offered the Beskar spear. No thought in his mind that he's going to go take down Ahsoka. He is focused on his mission with the child, goes out there and, and meets up with her. Um, and, you know, we talk about the stuff with them together. I thought all the stuff with her and Grogu was fine besides the name. 
Oh, you don't like Grogu as a name? Well, I just think that if we're going to have... There's nothing they could have chose. Well, I just... That's why I'm saying they should have, like, chose something early and just, like, let us dwell on it because, like, you're going to build this up for time and time and time and then you're going to choose the name Grogu. Like, it's just, like, the (laughs) stupidest freaking thing. Like... there is nothing they could have chosen. People once, they, and that's why they begged people. Filoni and Favreau both were like, "Stop calling that child Baby Yoda." They said that for like months, and they were like, "Stop it, stop it!" And you, no one listened, us included. And there's no name they could have chosen. There's no name because when I heard Grogu, I was like, eh. but like I, and then I was like, what, what, what would have satisfied me for? a character that's supposed to be named similar to Yoda and Yaddle. <laughs> Fucking Grogu. Um, that's, that's fair. I mean, I just want something that's like not easily butcherable too. Cause there's already so many people out there like the, you know, the non diehards that are very much enjoying the Mando and they're going to butcher that name all the time. It's just so annoying already. I'm just like, I've heard like Grogon, Gogu. It sounds too close to Goku. Sometimes I'm just like, it's not Goku. Like, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, but I thought that their forced conversation was great. You know, we learned more about his backstory, and I hope that we get even more about the backstory with with uh, Grogu and his time at the temple, or you know how he got out of the temple. You know, I think that there's going to be some kind of ties with the Jedi we meet later to maybe someone who got him out or like knew who got him out. Like, Can we I say, just talk like, about this. Can we just? Do you honestly think they're gonna cast a Sebastian Stan or someone to bring Luke? They're not bringing Luke. I can't, like, do you, do, why does it have to be Luke? I never said Luke. No, I never said Luke. I don't think like, it's gonna be Luke. I'm just seeing a bunch of people on Twitter, like, yeah, fucking Luke. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people that are more on the opposite end. I've seen and people like, say Cal Kestis, which I could, I could believe Cal Kestis. That's like, my, that's if I was gonna put. On Vegas, Cal Kestis is my number one at the moment because you Ezra, could, Ezra's all, my number one because you already have an actor for it, and I think he would want to do it. Oh yeah, Cameron Monaghan would do it. But see, I still go back to that Raul Cooley tweet that felt very just random. It's mm-hmm. I think it's Ezra. Like but Filoni's, I, but, Filoni's but bringing in his process, My thought process is either if it is Ezra, then it is again another episode that is just a setup for another show, which would irk me a little bit where I'd rather have Cal come in and Cal's not going to do anything else besides maybe more video games. And he, and it would make a little bit more sense that he would be involved in, in, in Grogu's life than more so than a Luke or an Ezra who has more story to tell in a different area. But shit, Ezra don't have nothing to do right now. And then like, you got to think the fact that Ahsoka was like, you are, you have too many feelings. Like Ezra's the only other Jedi out right now. That has feelings like a Grogu, and we saw the Loath Cat. I, when I saw that Loath Cat, I was like, Filoni's just throwing the, out all his little bags." The Loath Cat was fan service, and you know, the the more the thing that really got me was the more I owl. Like that was what got me huge. Was when I saw that owl in the corner, I was like, "Oh, Ahsoka's coming!" Because like that was right before she showed up, and once I saw that owl, I was like, "She's coming." That's it. Because like that's that owl follows her around everywhere. So Which I'm just I just don't think it's gonna be Luke. I really don't think it's gonna be Luke. No, I don't think it's gonna be Luke. It's just way too difficult to tell that story. Like that, that makes with, no with sense. Luke involved. That now makes... there are some more off the wall ideas out there if you want to get into it, but I want to talk more about the episode first. Are you talking about people saying Obi Wan's gonna come in as a force ghost? Are you talking about that? No, 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 no. We can talk about force ghosts too. There, there. I have a list. There is a list. 
there's there's people out there who who could who could take up and be a part of the series but anyway like you know the conversation that they had and you know you mentioned how she talked about how he was very conflicted with his feelings for the mandalorian and that's very telling to the connection that they have and why their connection is going to probably keep going for farther past three seasons that they're slated for um but you know I think that we're going to flirt more with the idea of him doing some dark side stuff. And part of going to Typhon or, or Tyrion or whatever, I forgot the name of the planet. I think it's Typhon. I think you're right. Um, is that it's pretty much, he kind of chooses his direction. So the other possibility, if it's not a Jedi is what if there is a dark side user who comes to find them. Mm. Um, so that's also another possibility or with that he does lean more into the darkness also very possible to happen i think that you know having soka be there to kind of be the one to give us the stakes was important and that's kind of what she did for this episode in that scene i think that those that was the more important scene of the whole episode besides the great action stuff um the other little things that were in there thrawn uh thrawn and Another part that makes you know that there is Thrawn is that Thrawn's emblem was on the um, the battle droids, it the assassin was. droids. Um, yeah. So let's talk Thrawn before we get into the other Jedi stuff. Thrawn is not going to be in the Mandalorian. You don't that's my th- call. No, I don't think so. I think he's going to be. In, that's a Soka show villain right there. That's a Soka show's villain. You know, and that's part of the reason I don't think Ezra is going to be in this either is because Ezra and Thrawn are doing the Unknown Regions thing. If there's going to be an entire show of Sabine and Ahsoka going after them in the Unknown Regions, and there's no reason that they're going to show up in this show. So that's that's my thought process with that. And also, I don't think you want to add Thrawn in this. And that's part of the reason why I was so conflicted on this episode when I first watched it. It's like, are we going to add Thrawn in this? We have our villain. And like, if Moff Gideon is like an underling to Thrawn, then that just makes Moff Gideon just like a nobody. And it doesn't make me like fear Moff Gideon anymore. So, like, I'd rather Moff Gideon, you know, even if it was, like, a, what I would like more if it was, if he's under Thrawn, is that he's, like, um, Director Krennic, where Director Krennic was under Tarkin, but he was, like, I have my own thing. I want to do my thing. Like, I want, I want this, this, this. I don't need you kind of thing. So, like, that's what I would want out of more Moff Gideon. I want Moff Gideon to stay the the main villain. Well, you know he is, because the boy got this, got the best car spear, which could fight a lightsaber, so... He had to do have something, and he has yeah. something now. That's that's exactly part of the another plot device was you know Mandalorian had to get the Beskar spear to be able to fight Dark Saber. That's a fact. So okay, so I agree with you with Throne. I don't think Throne's the villain of this, and I think him and Moth Gideon are separate. But yeah, yeah, the Ezra thing with him kind of. So is Ezra with him? Did yes. Ezra break away? Like. Because well, if, we don't if, know. If, if and, and, and if, if, and if this episode stuff. is definitely before that, then they're off somewhere. And they have to be searched for. It, okay, so, but the way that they made it seem was like Thrawn's doing stuff. So they could have, like, broke away. They could have, like, done their own thing. And that's, and then the purpose of the Ahsoka show is to find both Thrawn and stop him and find Ezra. I don't know. That's a good point. So like, because they did mention like, like he's doing stuff. Like, where is he? Like, what's but he is doing? He though, like, or what is that? What was that magistrate there for? Was she there, like, taking over for a purpose that Thrawn 
provided or, yeah. or was know. like is or was she acting on her own and she just kind of you know has inklings of ideas of where Thrawn might be or may have like small communications with him so like I just don't know like what the driving force is behind that. and we won't know because that's not the point of the show and no, that's why yeah. like I don't want so much dwelling on that because like it's not the Mandalorian but they they are going to find a Jedi does that happen this season I think nah. I think we could maybe get the reveal at the very end. Oh God! Okay, well if it's this right, season, so then do who do you think it is? All right. So like like I said, if I had to put money on it, I'd say you thinking you thinking Cal Kestis. I I could see that. Or you know, or the lady that she's with who cut herself off from the forest, but like if you no, know, they could be like a get together kind of thing. Um, but the other crazy names out there. You know, we could do Force Ghost stuff. You could do a Force Ghost Yoda. You could do a Force Ghost Obi-Wan. You could do a Force Ghost Anakin. I mean, you know, all those are possibilities, especially after Ryan Johnson talked about how he was thinking about putting Anakin in Last Jedi, which would have been terrible. Yeah, well, um, not, not a good call. He did the right thing. Yeah. Um, the other Jedi that are possibly out there, Quinlan Voss, is possibly still out there. Oh, man. He would be pretty old. He'd be super um, old. But he, but he's apparently still out there. Uh, man, what are the other names that went through? All right, well, the craziest one that you're gonna be like, that's crazy. Uh, th- th- please do not say Mace Windu. That's that's. Bro, no, he's dead. I. That's what I said. But like, a lot of people are like, oh no, he's still alive. Blah blah blah. Then, like yeah, if Mace Windu is really still alive, then why has his ass been so quiet? That's my. That's a that's a major problem. There's no way that if Mace Windu is still alive, there's no way he didn't go after Darth Vader. There's no fucking way. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. No way. No. Or like he, at least or Palpatine, Yoda. Because he knew. Because he knew. He knew that that was the he like he he fought them. There's no way he was too prideful. No way. Unless. Unless he was the the cliche licking his wounds, he he tried to get back to the realness of the force because he let his pride consume him, which I would absolutely hate. Yeah, so you know, I do think that you know the, the Ezra stuff is still a very strong possibility. I'm seventy five percent Ezra still. I'm still Ezra, but Cal Kestis is the safe bet. Very much so. So, and it could be someone that they create out of the blue as well. It could be something completely different. Um, yeah. But there's, I think there's definitely going to be some some kind of something. You know, there's going to be some. Uh, Force Ghost is possible. Force Ghost is really possible. Force Ghost is really possible because it makes, it keeps you from having to like create another character. But the only, the other reason I'm saying Cal is that since Cal really has no other main property that he's a part of, he can join the team. Mm. But then is it the Cal show? Like, you can't, you can't have him taking on Mando's shine. But it's like, it could be a situation that's same with, uh, you know, Carl Weathers and Gina Carano, where mm. they, it pops up here and there. You know, there could be stuff where, like, Cal and Grogu are, like, training on this thing where the, while the Mandalorian has to go on another mission, and that's, like, the episode, you know? Okay. So, like, it gives you the ability to, like, have someone that does the Jedi keeps the Jedi element that you have said is I do enjoy that you do enjoy into the show without like making it a Jedi show. That's a good point. That's a good point. But this was a great episode, man. This was, this was great. Two two thumbs up. 
Yeah, really strong episode. I think that it really kind of showed more so in the for Lucasfilm and Disney and all of that that you need to give this man a movie yeah, yeah, or his own movie. series. Give him his give him his props. Like he he he's earned it. He's earned it. Like if he is not the sole showrunner of the Ahsoka series, then there's something seriously wrong. I don't disagree with that one bit, and I think he will be. I think this was like the test, the test run to see how. I think it was, and I think you know it got very highly received. Yes, it did. The one thing I will say is that the pacing was a little off, tiny bit. But I I wasn't, I wasn't too. You already had me in the. I was in after the first scene. Like you had me sold. So like there were there were some there were some scenes where there was a lot of like lingering looking, and like I was like okay. Yeah. I know that I wanted a long episode, but I mean, I, I don't want a long episode of just like random pauses. <laughs> picky, picky, pick. Can't please them all, Dave. Can't please them all, but it's okay. All right, shoot. Yeah. I think it's that time. Let me do right. Um, you want me to toss real to you? quick, real quick. We'll talk about uh, fourteen. It's they did not list the director, um, and I think Fai Mua is doing fifteen. He is. So. That would leave oh, who's uh, Robert Rodriguez. So this mm. would be the Robert Rodriguez episode. Ooh, I'm excited for that. Hopefully, it's like some Boba Fett Western shit. I think it will. I'm thinking. Be. I'm thinking it'll be some Western, definitely some Western stuff or something very horror esque. Ooh, okay. All right, all right. We're gonna see. Rob, Rob, Rob does the damn thing. I'm excited for that. All right, let me toss it to you, uh, Schubert. It's time for pitch it. Thank you, Lyndon. I know you are super excited for this match it's the championship match of pitch it linden you're taking on jake madison and i'm super excited about this linden's been talking trash on the last episode he's been talking trash on twitter and it's finally here so as always i'm joined by ian our other bros who binge uh, editor and we are going to get this match started here shortly so first we'll introduce our competitors again first the challenger went making his way out of the losers bracket, Jake Madison. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Um, I like being an underdog in this situation coming out of the losers bracket. I take it personally. If someone were to say they're the underdog here, um, when I need that chip on my shoulder, so bring it. (laughs) And then of course the winner of the winner's bracket who, got here on a bye thanks to charles not being able to to come face him it's linden that's not my fault i don't i look that's not my fault i have nothing to do with that i was ready to take on all competitors but the road i went on was hard nonetheless shout out to schmidt shout out to everybody we battled but i must say i am the underdog when the person when the gentleman next to me does this for a living that makes you the underdog (laughs) let's just let's just put everything out there and open but i am excited i've been ready for this match and i think for this show for the championship match to be me and jake madison i think that is the perfect championship match because i think we're the two best competitors in the game so i think the people are going to get an incredible match and that's a shot at everybody for next season (laughs) y'all have to come through it's definitely been it's definitely been a fun season and it's been cool to watch the process as it goes. And the, the, uh, the game has definitely evolved. And one person that has been with us in the middle of it is Ian and Ian, how are you doing? Are you ready for this match? I'm doing well, man. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, my first pitch at match as a judge was between you and Jake. 
Um, so I, I think so. I'm happy to be here. Uh, excited to have you back, Jake. Uh, ready to see what you can bring to the table for your second round that I've hosted. And uh, Lyndon has proven to be a formidable opponent throughout these things. Um, he says Jake does this for a living, but he's the one who's written most of the questions that we go here. So I don't really know it's where he's true. from. <laughs> pretty much right there with him. It's, it's he says poison pizzas to people that can't make their matches. He writes the questions here. Okay. Yeah, but I'm the under, but he's the underdog. That's Schubert. Yeah, you're getting a little bit of love. Schubert is the question writer. Oh, man. Let, let me add. Well, not there. today's questions, but some is, questions in the past for sure. Hold um, on, real quick, you guys. Let me add. Let me add our host back. His he must have gotten a call. If okay, there we go. I was something say, more important came up. I don't know. You never know with him. <laughs> All right, there he goes. He's back. <laughs> All right, cool. Don't have to close anything. Perfect. But yeah, man. man but I'm, I'm good, man. Whenever you guys are ready to get started. All right. Well, Schubert, tell the tell us the rules, and then we'll get the coin flip. All right. So the rules to pitch it are first. First round, the que- the competitors have already gotten their question, which I will read here shortly. But they'll have three minutes to open up. Then we'll open it up to the judges. They can ask some questions. I have a one-minute rebuttal and then a final minute and a half closing. And, um, and then when we get to the second round, we'll go over those rules. So the question that our competitors have been asked is – Apple is looking for a new comic book property to be a TV show for them. Disney Plus has Marvel, Amazon has The Boys, Netflix Umbrella Academy, HBO DC. Give Apple a comic book property to use. And if you choose a company, specify the story or hero you'd want to use. So I will go ahead and put three minutes on the clock. Ian, go ahead and flip our coin, figure out who's going to go first or have the opportunity to choose. All right. Are we having someone call it in the air? Jake can call it. Sure. Right. Uh, look, I'll go, I'll go with Tails here. All righty. And it is Tails. All right. Do you want to go first or second? I don't think we're going to overlap on this, so I'll go second. All right. Always the danger of going second is the overlap, but Jake thinks that his is different. So we'll let Lyndon go first here with three minutes on the clock. Lyndon, you can start your pitch in three, two, one. So the question is to pitch an Apple TV, uh, to pitch Apple TV, a comic book TV series. Obviously not DC or Marvel or what the other studios have. So when I hear comic book, I tend to want to leave away from superheroes because in this age, it can be argued that there is some sort of superhero fatigue if you don't do it in an interesting way. But to me, comic books range from so much more than that. You get sci-fi, you get Western, you get international comics such as manga. So with that being said, I wanted to go with something in my wheelhouse. I chose one of the most successful Japanese manga, but I know you may be thinking, well, how is this a comic? But by definition, it is a comic and it won an American Comic Book Award for Best International Comic at the Eisners, which is at San Diego Comic-Con. So I just wanted to throw that out there. But another reason why I chose this particular story is because it's a thriller. We've seen American studios not be able to... uh, successfully adapt uh, anime and manga. But what Americans know how to do is thriller. Think of uh, The Night Of, think of Seven, think of Mindhunter, 
think of usual suspects. This falls right in that vein. Okay, so with that being said, let's get into what the story's about. It follows Dr. Kenzo Tenma, a young but extremely talented neurosurgeon. He lives his life working in a hospital in Germany. He is respected by his superiors for his incredible surgical skills and envied by his peers, and he's engaged to the daughter of the hospital director. But one day, his bright future changes when a little boy is brought in with a serious head injury along with his twin sister. The aftermath of a family massacre. He is faced with a huge dilemma when his superior orders him to abort the boy's surgery and operate on the mayor instead, who was brought in couple minutes after. He decides that all life is equal and goes against his superiors to save the boy's life who arrived first, which ultimately results in the mayor's death. The boy survives, leaving Tenma's career in ruins. He, his engagement to his fiance broken. His, he's in a downward spiral begins when one night while he's in, well, his, di- his downward spiral begins when one night while he's out in a cold and drunken stupor, the twins vanish from the hospital and Tenma's superiors, along with the hospital director are found dead. Tenma having no alibi and the only one with the motive is the prime suspect of the murder. He goes into hiding and vows to find the twins and prove his innocence. Little did he know that this is the only the beginning of a terrifying journey that through multiple countries, buried secrets and dark depths of the human psyche. He must prove his innocence and show who is the real killer of these murders, which Twist, lo and behold, happens to be the young boy's life he saved named Johann Liebert. This story is the question of does all life matter? What is the right life to save? What is the proper life to save? And this is right up American's alleyway because we get a thrilling adventure across Germany, across Hungary, across Eastern, Middle to Eastern Europe, and we get diversity. All right, that's covers time. all boundaries. That's your time. All right. All right, so now that we've heard from London, it's time for Jake's pitch. I got three minutes up on the clock, and Jake, you can get started in three, two, one. So there's a number of different directions you can go with this question, and I'm going to mention something coming up when I get a bit of a rebuttal and some more time, but one thing I want to stress to people on this one is don't miss the forest for the trees at the essence of the question. You're basically creating a flagship show for Apple TV because you know what? No one really watches Apple TV, and that's a bit of a problem. You need something that's going to pull in a whole bunch of audiences, and that means something that's a little bit well-known. So I'm not going to go so much with a company, but the company would be Image Comics, and it's going to be a specific series of theirs, and that's Saga by Brian K. Vaughn, one of the more popular ones out there right now, even though it's on hiatus. When you're creating this kind of signature show for it, you need that well-known creator name, and it doesn't get much more lauded than Brian K. Vaughn when it comes to modern comics and kind of different things. And Saga's his most recent one, which is basically Star Wars combined with Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, and Romeo and Juliet in a very colorful, sci-fi, spacey world, very visually stunning. It's at times love story. It's at times about class oppression with characters that are robots that have TVs for heads. So it's a little bit weird. You can kind of watch it. It gets into um, a bit of that kind of thriller. People get murdered. People are on the run. There's a a core mystery at a number of different arcs in it. And I think that's a big draw for people. People know who Brian K. Vaughn is. Casual people tend to know about the comic, the very least in terms of saga. And I think that draws people in. You need to sell Apple TV to people. Saga is going to do it since it's more widely known, I think, because it's got that very kind of stunning, almost 
um, watercolor-like look. So you bring in people that can design that for TV and make it very unique and not like anything out there that you've ever seen before. It's got a wide range of appeal and it's going to appeal to young adults because it's got some of that childlike fantasy aspect to it. It appeals to much older people because at times it is dark, gritty, bloody. There's some sex in it. It kind of encompasses everything that you're looking for in a flagship show to appeal to as many people as possible. That's it. I don't need the rest of the time. All right. Well, we've heard our two pitches. Ian, do you have any questions for them before they go into their one-minute rebuttal? Sure. Um, So Lyndon basically said, this is my story, and went into detail about his story and why he thinks it's a good story for uh, Apple TV to have as their flagship show. Jake said, we need to make a flagship show. Here's how we're going to make the flagship show, Um, but didn't really tell us too much about the story itself. So I suppose, Jake, why is this story the one that you picked uh, as your flagship show? Uh, And Lyndon, how do you take your story and turn it into a flagship show? I guess tell us a little bit more about what um, the actual, you know, the group working on the project may be or you know how they would take this uh comic that you've pitched and turn it into a reality so you guys both kind of went opposite sides of the spectrum now go to each other's opposite and tell me more about what you each told me about about yours in the in the first round i like that question and mine's gonna keep, i'm gonna keep it pretty simple um not necessarily for all of the shows that we described earlier on but for some of them they are able to sp- split off and do other 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 shows would eat the like the flagship show that you're pitching would it be able to have other series and also i want to know whether or not you're trying to do live action or animated because they are comics i don't know if you're trying to do a live action or animated cool so all right yeah i'm good we we got a one minute rebuttal for Lyndon. you can start in three two one Okay, so with Jake's things, it, I, I felt like it was coming at me about impact. My show gives you international appeal. It's well-known. It's one of the most best-selling comics in Japan, one of the best-selling comics internationally, and Americans know it. The thing is, with Saga, they basically have a show like that in C, which is basically trying to do this Game of Thrones-esque, sci-fi-esque thing. Now, to answer Ian's question, my show will be showrunner by Denis Villeneuve. The uh, person who will play Dr. Tenma is Dev Patel. Timothy Chalamet will play Johan Liebert. James McAvoy will play the head detective Inspector Lunge. Vanessa Kirby will play uh, Dev Patel's ex-wife. And then Anya Taylor-Joy will be the uh, twin of Timothy Chalamet. And Edgar Edgar Ramirez will be a hitman for the uh, for Johan Liebert. This show is two seasons max. Now to answer Schubert's question about spinoffs, there is a spinoff where you see the perspective from different people. That could be like, That's it. I'll go more on that later. All right. And Jake, you will have one minute for your rebuttal. You can start in three, two, one. Alana and Marco are two people from different worlds, one oppressing the other, like actual worlds. And one is enslaving the other. They end up falling in love, running off into space and trying to escape after Alana gets knocked up by Marco. So you've got this kind of 
crazy love child that's sparking civil war and wars between different races in the universe as they run off. And that's the general gist of the story. And it's more about the journey than anything in specific. They go to various kind of wild looking planets. You meet space ghosts at one point. You meet a romance author that's writing a book that is also uh, like a rabbit type of person. A lot of things like that, which kind of reach out to that other stuff. And again, you're trying to sell Apple TV. You need something that is unbelievably well-known even to casual people. In terms of spinoffs, not from this series, but now you're working with Brian K. Vaughn. They're turning Why the Last Man into a TV show, one of the most beloved comics um, that doesn't feature superheroes on FX. He's got a whole host of others, including a very other good All right, political one. All right, yeah. Uh, okay, so... No more questions, but we'll give you each a minute and a half to close out your argument. We'll start with Lyndon, and then you can get started in three, two, one. My show is about I'm setting a flagship for quality. We've seen uh, Apple have the money to get the type of talent that I'm going for. You have your political world building, big world in C. This gives you something in the vein of the night of. It gives you something in the vein of the wire. Every, uh, all good streaming service has a great cop thriller show. And this is one of the best. You can get other audiences like China, like Japan. It pulls in a wide audience of people. Anime is one of the biggest growing markets right now in culture and there will be so many people tuning into apple tv for this property like i said it won an eisner it has some of the best writing that has been seen and when you add denis villeneuve to this when you've seen his work in prisoners you've seen his work in sicario he's one of the best thriller directors he's actually working in tv right now with the dune television series so he's not opposed to working in tv and when you have a director of that caliber it attracts actors like a timothy chalamet like a dev patel to come in and do this the reason why timothy is trolling johan liebert is one of the most terrifying villains but he's a he's a wolf in sheep's clothing this will be a good role so we can see timothy's range also it gives a good role for Dev Patel to come back in the mainstay of Hollywood and have a flagship show at a place like Apple where his talents will be respected. It's not something like uh, Saga, which if you don't have the right person doing it, it could be just a CGI it's mosh a, pit. All right. Um, Jake, you'll have your minute and a half closing and you can start in three, two, one. You want to compare awards? Saga has 14 Eisner Awards. It's been nominated for the Hugo Award, basically the top science fiction award you can have out there. Again, if I, I, I'm not a big anime guy. If there's an anime show on, I'm not watching it. Like, it's just kind of that simple. It's got to have a more broad appeal than that, I think. It's great to say that you can throw Timothy Chalamet in there. He's not going to do something like this right now, not on a less proven network like that. They might have the money to throw at him to do some of that stuff, but they still don't want it to fail, and he's not going to jump into something that he's unsure of. I'm unsure about this. You can bring in a guy like Brian K. Vaughn, who wrote Saga, who's written the uh, Why the Last Man, who's won Emmys for his work on Lost during the seasons that Lost was good, and I think that's what you're looking for here. Those type of anthology shows are very popular right now. You don't need to do spin-offs of your individual show here. You have one show that draws people in. You can use other Brian K. Vaughn work and develop other and different stories. And it doesn't need to be sprung off of this one because if it does fail for whatever reason, well, then you've blown your whole budget on that and your whole network on that. And now you're going to tank. And that is not something that I think they want to throw money at right now in a pandemic when things are a little bit uncertain. So go with the safer choice. That's also just better in Saga. 
All right. That wraps everything up here. I think we had two really good pitches, um, two interesting IPs that I really didn't know too much about going in before, um, but definitely interested in learning more about now that we've had the conversations. I don't know. How are you feeling, Ian? Uh, I feel the same way. Um, I feel like this round has really showcased both of your strategies as players, where uh, Jake has seeded some of his time back because he felt like he's made strong enough points where we've kind of seen Lyndon stretch it right down to the wire with both of his points, uh, both reasonable strategies, especially when, you know, Jake is coming back and just basically using his rounds to talk smack at Lyndon where Lyndon was kind of trying to flesh out his, his idea a little, a little bit, bit more while also throwing some smack in there. The funny thing is um, my thing is the least fantastical of, of the two. <laughs> no. Yes. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll, I like, I'll grant um, you that. That's fine. When I like the way, you know, Lyndon was pitching his story as the selling point and, you know, saying this is a really great story. And because of that, we can get these fantastic people to come work on this project with us where Jake was saying, um, you know, we're going to bring these people to the network and then we'll have them tell this story. But then that'll also open up a range of other things that we'll be able to do with these people that we brought into the network. Um, I know the, the question was about, you know, we're looking for a comic book property. Um, but I think I'm going to go with Jake on this one just because of the, uh, of the, not only the slams that he had with, you know, comparing, uh, <laughs> awards and things like that, but also the idea of, uh, you know, this question is about building up Apple's network and he presented a very reasonable way to try and do that while also, um, you know, getting the comic book property under their belt. So for that reason, I'm going with Jake. Yeah. Um, for me, what really pushed it and and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just blow it here. I'm also going to go with Jake, but what pushed it for me is the, uh, Brian K Vaughn. Brian K Vaughn has done the work in television before, not only doing work with Lost, but another comic book adaptation for Runaways. So he is someone that can come in and has the experience to, um, do a television show and maybe a, a big time television show and, you know, using stuff that is his already would be a good opportunity to have someone in there to do, knows what to do with the work. Oh, and I didn't realize he was also a showrunner for under the dome. So I love mm -hmm. that show, <laughs> but anyway, that's gonna, so the first round will go in Jake's favor. I think Jake's won every first round he's ever done. And, um, We'll get into the second round, which as the second round goes, the winner of the first round and the winner of every question after that will have the opportunity to pick a number to get a category and then another number to get a question in that category. Or actually, no, they pick a category and then they pick a number to get the question in the category. They'll have two minutes to give their pitch and a one after the questions, we'll have a one-minute rebuttal. So, Jake, do you want to uh, pick a category here? Your choices are um, sports, film, television, and choice, which has been added newer things. Um, let's let's go sports. Let's let's stay in my wheelhouse a little bit here. Try and close this out All early right. tonight. A number between one and six. Nope, oh, actually eight. Let's go seven in honor of Taysom Hill. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six. 
seven. All right. Pitch a new branding for any franchise in any sports league. That's it. You can do NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, MLS, or all. So just you could relocate it. You could just change the, the team name or colors, but we're looking for a new rebranding for a sports franchise of your choosing. You want to go first or second? Let's go first. All right. You will have two minutes on the clock, and you can get started in three, two, one. So this is going to shock you that I'm going to pick the New Orleans Pelicans here. Um, and so last year they went with the motto of won't bow down, trying to tie it to the Mardi Gras Indians, and it, it, it didn't work. The, the hashtag and all that didn't work at all. It landed flat, partially because the team was bad and they were bowing down quite a lot. It was a bit of an obscure reference. You can make this a little bit simpler. The Pelican is the state bird of Louisiana. Tap into that. Stop marketing it just to New Orleans and start marketing it not only to the state, but also the Gulf South and increase your base dramatically by that. State bird basketball is a very simple, but for whatever reason, kind of catchy slogan that can work to draw people all over the state into Pelicans games. This is not a city thing. It is a region thing. Get a bigger draw in Baton Rouge. Make sure they're tuning into the games there. I think you do it with the simple motto of state bird basketball tied into the pride that people have of living in Louisiana. It can be difficult to live in this city, this state, all the time. But you do it because you love it. The Pelicans are part of that, so you need to love them too and show them support. And I think that's the motto. Buy into that pride of the state and not keep New Orleans separate from the rest of the area. That's it. All right. Um, Lyndon, you will have two minutes for your pitch, and you can get started in three, two, one. The Washington football team is, uh, as we can say, uh, just a holdover position. And I think for Washington, they need a symbol. They need a mascot. They need someone they can champion behind. Being in D.C., let's tap into that D.C. lore. We're going to do the Washington Senators. It gives them a, a funny mascot they can have. They can sell bobbleheads. It connects them to the Washington, D.C. culture of just being the government area. And we have the Capitals in hockey. We can have the Senators in football. And it just allows for you to put your flag behind something instead of just being a football team. And there are the joke right now of Twitter, TikTok, everywhere, because it's like, oh, this football team, the football team, people constantly are flubbing on Redskins. No, let's give you an identity. Let's give something to sell with merch, give you something to, to get behind and have something that's true to the culture of Washington, D.C. with the Washington Senators. And like I said, it allows for mascots, merch sales, and gives you a whole new identity that you can get behind that allows you and your city to move forward from this debacle of, are we the Redskins? Are we the football team? And for Jake's thing, I'm not really sure of his motto is it just state bird i don't know what it is i i need i need more specifics because if it's just buy buy into state bird i don't know if that's better than won't buy bow down if i'm being honest as, as a motto right um so ian we got two interesting pitches here both in different sports leagues which i i like mm -hmm. but uh let's uh let's ask them some questions you have any questions for him yes um so i I feel like I've asked these questions. I'm going to give away how I feel about both of your pitches. Um, but I guess I'll start <laughs> with Lyndon. I'll try and keep it as vague as possible. Um, 
Washington senators in football, Ottawa senators in hockey. Do you feel there's going to be any clash there of any kind? Um, Jake, state bird basketball. I mean, I feel like if the, I, I'm not going to ask my question. I, <laughs> I have no question for Jake because if I ask you my question, it's going to it's going to lead you to the answer that I want you to give. Um, so expound explain to me more where you see like in actual um in in actual practice how you see this going um with the designs on t-shirts you know billboards in the arena that kind of thing how do you see this playing out uh that's all i got schubert all right uh for lindens what i want to know is how much do you change to the the team in general um because when, if you want to go play on to the whole Washington theme of like the nationals and the capitals and stuff like that, they all have a certain color scheme that, you know, are we trying to make Washington a little bit more uniform? Um, but does that also offend the fan base? It, what do the fans get out of this, this change as well? So there's a lot to think about with, with uh, Washington uh, more than just the name. Um, and with Jake, I think, with um with the pelicans a lot of people have had have wanted to do a lot more than just the motto rebrand is there anything else that you think would be worth changing along along with the motto um and that's pretty much what i have so you guys will have a minute each and jake since you went first you will go first so you can get started in three two one Oh, I think his mic went out. Oh, my bad. All right, yeah. So no, you... that, was, that was my fault. There we go. All right, uh, yeah, so, so... It... start his time over. Should we go ahead. Go ahead. So Three, it's about two, tying everything one. to the larger. So it's about tying everything to the larger picture of the state. Yes, it's New Orleans, but it's a young team. You want support all throughout the region. State bird basketball kind of plays on that. Yes, it's the New Orleans Pelicans, but this is your team as well. Instead of those city edition uniforms using the flag of New Orleans, use the flag of Baton Rouge, of the state of Louisiana in general, and make them feel more ownership over this team, even if it's not in their city. Have a shirt that has an outline of Louisiana on it and the Pelicans logo over Lafayette, over Baton Rouge, over Shreveport, over West Monroe. All of those places to show that, yes, this team is theirs as well. Won't Bow Down just didn't work. You need something that taps it in a little bit more to the region. You can do a lot of more branding around the arena. That's not just Louisiana. Or that's not just New Orleans and more general Louisiana as well. In regards to the Senators, I think that's the wrong name. I like the Red Tails for there. And no one likes their Senator anyway. So why do you want to name something like that? All right. That's uh, his time. Lyndon, you'll have a minute for your rebuttal and closing. You can start in three, two, one. To start off with Schubert, yes, I would want to change the colors to a red, white, and blue. Look, the brown, the burgundy, and gold just has too much ties to the Redskins. It's too much ties to that pass. To get over that name, you have to just make the jump and get over it. To Jake's thing about red tails or whatever, I just feel like when you think of Washington, D.C., Senators are something that just sticks out to you. And to answer Ian's question, Ottawa, two different cities, two different sports. I think it's okay. We've seen multiple teams with multiple sports names and other sports. And to State Bird Basketball, I 
still think that's a mistake of a motto because it, it, it you say region based, but then you say your motto state bird basketball. It ties you just to Louisiana and not all of the golf as well. If you want to attract all of the golf, you need to think of something that's a more broader uh, motto instead of state bird basketball, because then we have New Zealand fans. We have fans all over, but it just keeps you tied to Louisiana. Whereas with the senators, like you said, every other state has a senator, whether you like it or not, that's besides the point. You just know when you think of senators, it ties you to the history of Washington, D.C. All right. Uh, I think we got two interesting ones here. Um, I liked a lot of what Lyndon said in his rebuttal to Jake, because immediately when I think of the Gulf, you know, trying to get the Gulf Coast region in there and being from Alabama, you are in a like kind of in a battle between who do you feel like you fit in with the most, the Atlantas, the Tennessee teams, the Louisiana teams, Florida teams. So I feel like maybe in that respect, he had, was on something there, but then in the other flip, I really just hate Washington, um, uh, white and blue color. So any, anyway, Ian, what do you think about that? Um, I agree with what Lyndon was saying with trying to, uh, you know, change the culture of Washington, especially with all the bad publicity they've been getting recently. Although I don't necessarily think you need to pick a new color scheme. I mean, we saw the Rams have success moving from St. Louis to LA with largely the same color scheme and graphics designs. I think they updated it a little bit when they made the move, but it was basically the same. Um, Jake, I I would have preferred something like Bayou basketball or Bayou ball or something like that, just to make it a more uh, you know regional tie, like you say. Um, but I do like both of your Gulf pitches. Coast something, um, yeah, something like that. Um, I think I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with Lyndon on this one, uh, just because I liked the uh, the senators rebrand a little bit more than the Bayou or than the. Um, oh, now I now I can't even remember it. So I guess that's why I'm going with Lyndon. Yeah, State Bird <laughs> basketball was what it was. State Bird basketball, that's what it was. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Lyndon in this one. For this one, I'm going to go with Lyndon as well. Basically, uh, I still feel like. State, you know, sticking to Louisiana, even though I understand where he's going with that, because like what the Saints do is they brand that's not necessarily just strictly New Orleans. It's like, you know, the greater Louisiana, it's Louisiana's team. Like, you know, I, I, mean, I see where he's going with that there, but I just don't know if like state bird basketball is as catchy as he thinks it is. And then, uh, Lyndon, I'll go with you, even though, you know, I feel like Washington really does need to stick with their colors, keep their fan base intact. Don't have to buy so much new uh, new gear, but anyway, we are moving into the next uh, question here. And Lyndon, you have the opportunity to pick a category. Um, let's do let's do movies. All right, and you have to pick a number between one and let's just do one and ten. And I'll, I'll figure it out as we go. Let's do six. All right. Perfect for the holidays. Pitch a classic holiday movie that should be remade for today. Solid. You can go first or second. Solid. Um, let's see. 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 I want to go 
second. All right. So, Jake, you are pitching us a classic holiday movie to be remade for today. And you will have two minutes to, for your pitch, and you can get started in three, two, one. Depends on if you think it's a holiday movie or not, but I'm actually not opposed to remaking Die Hard for 2020 and beyond. It is a classic, no doubt. Don't get me wrong but you can definitely update it and modernize it a little bit more. It's got some really good threads that you could dive into a little bit better. Think about, you know, the Occupy Wall Street-ness that you could put in there more with the company, with Hans Gruber wanting money and all of those sorts of things. Imagine what you could do with today's political climate with some of that stuff. You know, even imagine the, the awful dude, I can't remember his name, who gets shot and kind of rats out John McClane in there, the guy that works with his wife. And imagine how you can tie that in with social media. And they kind of hit it that a little bit. It just didn't exist back then when they did it. You could redo Die Hard a little bit more modern and tie in a lot of the different things that are kind of impacting us today. And I think that's the direction you could really go with it. You don't want to do a shot-for-shot remake. We're not trying to redo Psycho like they did uh, that one time, which was just a complete flop. You've got to add something new to it and modernizing it around the edges to add in things like that with social media, the political climate, the 1% and all of that. I think you have the basis of, again, you know, the action is going to be pretty similar, but you just kind of modernize it a little bit so that it's going to land a little bit harder than it does currently. All right. That was a good start to this round. So, Lyndon, you're going to have two minutes to pitch your holiday, classic holiday remake, and you can get started in three, two, one. First off, Jake's movie is an action movie that takes place during Christmas time. It is not a holiday movie where it, it focuses on the holiday. It's more about John McClane saving these people from a terrorist attack. It ha- Christmas is not even the focal point or even the backdrop. It's just the year that it's in. I want to remake A Christmas Story because it's a movie that was in the 60s that needs an updating due to just a lot of the things and the jokes that went on in there were more so to that time period. And by redoing A Christmas Story with an African-American cast, it allows for diversity. It allows for a different group of people to see themselves in A Christmas Day because there are different traditions between Black people, white people, and all races in general. But it allows for you to see the lens of how a Christmas, uh, a couple days leading up to Christmas and Christmas go through a different household like the African-American community. Whereas with the Christmas story, we've just seen it through Ralphie, this middle-class white family in the 60s, 70s for all these years where we don't, where that's not everybody's typical Christmas, where when you do a Christmas story through a black perspective, you get the crazy gambling with the family during the Christmas day. You get the different like Christmas day shenanigans and the different drinks that are there, the different like food structures, the different archetypes of what goes on in a typical black Christmas compared to what goes on in a typical Caucasian Christmas. And again, like I said, the question asks for a holiday movie, not for a movie that takes place during holiday time. You're supposed to make this about the holiday. Die Hard is not about that. It's about a terrorist organization and a cop stopping it. And granted, the only reason why Die Hard works was because of Bruce Willis. We've seen multiple attempts at other movies trying to replicate Die Hard, and it just didn't work, i.e. Skyscraper, The Rock. But my movie reinterpretates a holiday movie for a different race of people. All right. Yeah, it's your time. You had about 10 seconds left. Um, Yeah, so those are two really good starts, Ian. I think that uh, Jake definitely gives us something that I personally consider a Christmas movie, but Linda makes a point that it's not a holiday movie, which is 
uh, not a bad not a bad point to make, but um, I feel like we do have two holiday movies to choose from here. And uh, what do you think? Yeah, um, I am kind of half and half on the whether or not Die Hard is a holiday movie or not. I can definitely see the points to be made why it would be. It takes place during the holiday season. It's snowing throughout the entire movie, basically. The whole bit is he's like stuck in the airport, right? Trying to get home for the holidays or something like that. It's the no, second no, one. He's in, he's in, no, that's it's the a terror. No, that's not the second I'll one. Save my points. It's the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the it's the one in the tower. Oh, but, that's um, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And, you know. and then with uh, with Lyndon's movie. Uh, okay, so I'll just get to my questions. Um, Lyndon, what's going to tie this back into the Christmas story? I mean, it feels like you want to make a movie that's in the same vein as a Christmas story, but what's to separate it from any of the other Hallmark movies that we've seen come out trying to replicate that feel? And if you change it from, you know, like a middle class white suburban family, are you going to still have all the same? elements that make that family that family i mean part of the movie at least in my opinion is just the dynamic of that specific family um so what's going to tie your reboot back in with the original one to give me the same feeling like yes this is the same movie or at least in the same vein as that movie um and jake um what I mean, for for people who are, you know, kind of burnt out on the whole action movie craze, I mean, I feel like Die Hard could be thrown in with a lot of other action franchises as just your standard cookie cutter action franchise. What's going to help this stand out in the crowd of other uh, action franchises and especially a reboot to an action franchise? Um, Those uh, tend to have some some rocky uh, receptions from the public. Um, so I guess my question to you both is kind of the same. What's going to tie it back in with the originals and what's going to make it stand out amongst the crowd of other movies like it? Yeah, I think when I'm thinking about how I want to form a question here, I'm kind of thinking the same way with uh, it being something, the question saying it should be remade for today. Now with Lyndon's, I see where he's going with it, but is it going to be too straight from the original to where you don't even realize that it, is a remake of the original and uh with jake how is it this how does it become a remake i you know i guess i guess i just want to hear more from what ian was asking with jake so let's just roll with that and um jake went first correct yeah all right so jake you'll be able to give your one minute here in three two one die hard is a movie of about John McClane, who's trying to reconcile with his estranged wife, because that's what you do during Christmas. Go back to Home Alone. The old guy that saves Macaulay Culkin at the end is estranged from his family, and Macaulay Culkin makes him go reunite with his family because it's Christmas and what you do. Christmas is actually an integral part to Die Hard, which is what makes it a Christmas movie. Now, what, one of the reasons it kind of reinvigorated the action genre back in 88 is because you had kind of that vulnerable, fallible protagonist in John McClane, not this muscle-bound Arnold Schwarzenegger guy. It's a guy who didn't have shoes for half the movie and had to walk around getting his feet cut through glass. Imagine that same type of protagonist doing it in the age of social media and how that complicates everything that's going on in this tower as they're trying to steal millions and billions of dollars and all of that. And I think that's what makes it work. And so it's got kind of the core of this regular guy just trying to get back with his wife during Christmas because that's what all right. You that's do. it. And again, 
That's it. And uh, Lyndon, you'll have your one minute that you can get started on in three, two, one. Again, it's not a holiday movie. Holiday is the atmosphere. Yes, it in the beginning, it is about him getting back to his wife to get back with him over Christmas. But the, the whole purpose of that movie leaves all of that plot line just to focus on the terrorism and Hans Gruber. The movie is about Hans Gruber versus John McClane. It, the wife is a backdrop, and it's not important because they leave that plot line early in the movie. My movie, again, to make it feel like it's a part of a Christmas story, what made a Christmas story special is about this kid trying to get a present that he wasn't necessarily old enough to get or his parents didn't like I would keep that theme of the the child something related to the black community about him trying to get a gift and it's the whole journey of him trying to actually get that gift and plot to get that gift and we'll get to see new things where like how he was listening to a radio we could see him watching his favorite tv show and the gift connecting to that tv show I would have Ralphie as the as the uh teacher of said new kid to give kind of a cameo back to the OG. All right. Um, I think Lyndon did some good stuff there at the end. I was worried that he was going to spend too much time trying to go off uh, on Jake's pitch, but he gave us some good stuff there at the end. What are you thinking about Ian? Um, No, I like what you're, uh, you guys both did a good job of answering my question basically, which was why do we care? Um, Die hard while it may have had a great impact at the time, uh, I think as far as its cultural relevance and place in movie history, it doesn't have the same type of effect that a Christmas story has. Um, so I think that that re- reboot might work a little bit better. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to go with a Christmas story. All right. Yeah. I think that both movies would have been better pitched separately from being remakes. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, uh, doing something in the similar vein of Die Hard and remaking it for today would be good, but also it falls into the same line of all the other action movies that come out. And with Lyndon's, I feel like it would almost be better if he didn't have to attach a Christmas story to it and just t- tell that story by itself. Um, but I feel like getting right at the end and saying that he was going to include Ralphie as, like, the teacher kind of puts it for me that there's your holiday remake. So I guess I will go with Lyndon with that. So right at the wire, he, he got me. Solid. Solid. So that gives you the opportunity for the board again. You're up to one. You need one more. All right. Let's go. Uh, let's do TV. All right. TV. Um, let's just do one and 10 again. All right. Let's do five. All right. One, two, three. All right, Ian, you're going to like this one. Trailer Park Boys continued their series as an animated show. Pitch a live action show that could continue on as an animated show. Ooh, all right, does it matter the genre? No. All right, lit, lit. But it has to be a live action show that, you know, can continue being animated. Got you. I want right. to go second. Okay. So, Jake, I know it's, it's hard in this round. They can think of something on the fly but you're going to have two minutes here to work it out and you can get started in three, two, one. I'm going to pick the most recent uh, example I can think of, which would be Watchmen from HBO um, just this past year, a excellent successor to the source material, not going to say the movie here, but the source material in kind of developing what would come next. And 
took it in a direction probably no one was expecting. And it ends so unbelievably well that I don't actually want them to continue it in live action. Just let that thing be. It was so good and so self-contained and ended on just the right note of like, what comes next? You don't need to explore that and potentially wreck it. But you can kind of get into an animated show with that where it's still canon to the show, but continued on. And people who aren't into that and just want to leave it at the live action show can. And people who do want to explore more of that world and what comes next who are burning to find out what happens right after the end. Does she step on the water or not and float? Um, can really kind of get into that. And then it allows you to take that show in even other directions that you want without kind of being beholden to a lot of what you saw before. So I think how popular that was, you could easily turn it into an animated show. You can bring in a, a new Dr. Manhattan, make it um, her. You can do it in a number of other different ways. And I think that would be the best thing to, uh, the best way to continue it. All right, I think that's a good start to this. London, you'll have two minutes for your pitch. And again, we're uh, pitching a live a live, sh- or a live action show to be an animated, continued on as an animated show. And you can get started in three, two, one. What made Watchmen special was Damon Lindelof had a vision. If you take in someone new, because Lindelof said he's not coming back, I don't know if you can execute at that high level that Lindelof did is because he had a story and you need someone that cares about it. To me, that feels like a cash grab. Whereas what I'm about to pitch is something that's needed, clamored for by uh, John Wick fans. I want to do an adult animated version of the continental Keanu Reeves is getting old and you could just use him as a voice, as a voice actor. And it's not about John Wick. It's about the continental. We can meet different assassins. We can meet uh, different people inside of the organization of the continental in the assassin world. And we can get cameos from a John Wick to tie into the original feeling. But what made the uh, John Wick so cool was the world. Like we see Lawrence Fishburne's uh, leader of the homeless assassins. And we can get into more of that through the animated version of John Wick. And I want to do adult animated. We see Amazon tapping into adult animation with Invincible. So I don't want to hear that that won't work. People won't watch an adult animated feature because we're, we've gotten over that. That's a thing of the past. Adult animation animation is something that's here to stay and John Wick the uh Continental being the hotel is something that John Wick fans have wanted for and because a lot of the actors are getting older you can just have voice acting and you can make the stunts more realistic you can go as wild as you want with gore with gunshots and everything being that it's animated and you can have fun with it my thing again Watchmen was successful only because of Damon Lindelof and his vision that he had and without him I don't know if a spinoff would be successful because they tapped into so many of the characters. Whereas with the, uh, with the Continental, you want to know more about the John Wick world and it gives us something to explore week in and week out. All right. Um, Ian, I'll go ahead and just turn to you right away for the questions. I have a couple for them as well. I actually want to hold off on questions because I'm worried again oh, yeah. that I'll ruin. Yeah, I'll I'll, right. I'll give my hand away here if I ask my questions. So I'd, I'd right. like to see what you have in round two. You guys both did an excellent job with round one. Now continue to woo me in your second part of your pitch. All right, uh, Jake. My question is: Can you give a comparison on the way that that w- the animation style might look, uh, what it could be compared to? Um, and Lyndon, I want you to tell me why this idea of the Continental series would be better live action than animated or a better animated than live action. Yeah. 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 
All right, so Jake, we'll get started with you. You have one minute on the clock. You can get started in three, two, one. The animation style is pretty simple. Look at anything like the animated version of Batman Year One or The Dark Knight Returns. You just basically rip it straight from the page and animate it like that. There's still a lot of stories left untold from uh, the return to Watchmen. We still don't know what happened with uh, the Night Owl who's in prison. You know, we didn't touch on that many of the characters. There were about three that were really referenced in there. And that is a book that had a larger world to it that you didn't really get to explore unless it was done through those end of uh, chapter uh, texts that they had. And this is your chance to be able to do it. You can't do that in a live action show, but you can definitely do it animated and just do it in that comic book style. It doesn't need to be anything uh, greater than that. That is a beloved text. It doesn't, there's not just one person out there who has a vision for it. And frankly, this is the opportunity to bring in more creators, more storytellers, give them free reign with a license they never would be able to touch and see what comes out of it. It's a bit of an All right, experiment. All right. All right. Um, Lyndon, you're going to have your minute. Okay. And you can get started in three, two, one. I want to do my animation style in the vein of a classic 2D animation of Cowboy Bebop the movie. What Cowboy Bebop is is a space bounty western that has great fluid hand-to-hand combat with Spike Spiegel, a.k.a. someone who's a bounty hunter, which can be akin to the Continental. The reason why the Continental works better as animation is because you can get gorier. You don't have to hold yourself or limit yourself on TV of gore. Because you're going to have animation, you can do cooler stunts. You can get as bombastic as you want with what these assassins can do. And again, mine is something that can work. It's something that people are clamoring for. The only reason why Watchmen worked is because Damon Lindelof pissed us a good vision. Besides that, it's been taboo franchise of people touching it. You only want people that you know care about the franchise to touch it. Whereas, and like Jake said at the end, he said it would be something of experiment where something it's not guaranteed to be successful. Whereas the Continental is something where you follow an assassin's world all right, that's it. Through a hotel. So, all right, Ian. So you didn't have any questions, but what did you think at the end? Uh, I really liked both your pitches. Um, Watchmen is something that I've been wanting more from since the series came out, just because it was so well done. Uh, I went back and watched the movie shortly after I watched the the series, and that only made me want more from it. Uh, so I guess my only option right now is to go read the original book. Um, so if we were to get a Watchmen animated series, that would be something I would totally invest time in just because I really enjoyed everything that I've seen from them so far. Um, Lyndon, I also really enjoy the idea of expanding the John Wick universe uh, because my problem with John Wick is it's basically just John Wick beating people up for 90 minutes or however long the movie is, and then we go home. Um, so if we could get a little bit more of an extended plot line and interconnecting characters, that would be good as well. Um, for that reason, I think I'm going to go with Lyndon because the opportunity to expand is a little bit more wide ranging. Um, there's not as many limitations with other characters or other storylines that they've already tried to tell with the Continental. Um, so I feel like it would leave you, whoever the storyteller would be, would have a much easier time um, taking it wherever they want to take it without having to work. Sorry, my phone's buzzing. Uh, with without having to work around other limitations that have been set by previous series. So my point goes to Lyndon on this one. I think it's a really interesting one here. And the reason I asked Lyndon his question is because personally, 
I feel that this would be great to be added in as a live action. And when it comes to con- a continuation of what is seen before, I'm leaning more towards Jake's Watchmen idea because I think that it's, you know, when we think of comic book franchises, a lot of them have taken take gone into an animated world. And this is kind of like Watchmen's opportunity to, to jump in on that, especially off the success that they've had before. You know, Lynn came in a lot with Damon... Lindelof and what he did, but I think now that he's opened it up to show that you can tell bigger stories within that Watchman, I think that it gives um, uh, the best way that it could extend itself is through animation. So I think that I go with Jake. So that ties us up, and I will go to the third judge for the first time today. I will be back. Those are some good pitches. Y'all had me on the uh, edge of my seat. I got to give you credit on the John Wick one. I wouldn't have thought of that. And uh, that admittedly was pretty good. I tried, man. <laughs> like, that's something that I like. I, when, when he said that, I thought about playing to the judge of, because we did a review of Superbad and Schubert himself wanted those characters to have spinoffs. But then I realized Ian would have been like, nah, bro, cut that shit out. That shit is trash. Like, we do not need any Superbad <laughs> character spinoffs. And then I was like, well, all right, if I'm going to do a spinoff, I want something that's anime action wise level and you can't have Keanu Reeves anymore because he's freaking, uh, uh, he's an old man. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, if we're going to explore the continental, let's do it with no hard, no holds barred anime adult animation action wise. But I love the Watchmen thing. I just had to, you know, I had to throw this jabs at it with Damon Lindelof. That's oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not hurt here. Don't, don't you worry. That's the only way I could have defended that. Um, I just talked to the third judge and they are going to side with me and we're going to go to a fifth round. So that was a win for Jake. We're going to do one more round here. And Jake has the control of the board. You can choose film, sports, TV, your choice. Um, let's go back to sports. Let's go back to sports. Got to stick with something strong in the final round. All right. Uh, one in five. Let's go two. This is an interesting one. It's going to take up some time. So the SEC wants to reconfigure its conference to have 16 teams. Pitch oh what gosh. teams are now in this conference. You can remove or add. And uh, Jake, you can choose who goes first. I know I'm going first. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll let you go first. All right. Hold on. I, All right. I know what I want to do. Yeah, you can go first. Yeah, so this this shows into the catalog of how I've been reaching for sports questions. But uh, Lyndon, you're gonna have two minutes. You're gonna have two minutes on the clock to give us your pitch. You can get started. Wait, can three. I ask a question real quick? How many teams yeah. does SEC have? Fourteen. And I need to add so two. You need to add two, or you can remove some to add in more. And it could be anybody. But it has matter. to be sixteen, huh? Total, huh? Yeah, sixteen total. So, yeah, that's the question. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I'm asking. Is the question. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right. All right. So you can get started in three, two, one. Okay, the first team I want to add, they're in the South. They take place in the Southern region. We see the the Gamecocks are part of the SEC. So I want a team that we always argue they don't get enough 
uh, teams to play that are good. They don't play enough quality teams. Uh, the coach is the only good coach. I want to add Clemson because they take they are in the South. I want to add Clemson to the SEC and to make the SEC one of the most dog gut wrenching, bloodthirsty conferences out there. If you add Clemson, the number rankings go up. Yes, the SEC is down, but the I mean, yes, the ACC numbers go down, but the ACC is a basketball conference, which Clemson isn't that great at. By adding Clemson to the SEC with football, you just make it's so much more appealing to just the entire SEC. And then the argument of does Clemson have a good competition that's out the window and then Dabo can have a clear shot at being one of the best. Uh, another team that I want to add to it as well is uh, the Oak is. Oh, shit. This is where it gets difficult. Um, I want to add the Louisville Cardinals because I feel Louisville is also a southern town, Louisville, Kentucky. We also have uh, the UK in there, the University of Kentucky. By adding Louisville, it just it, it gives another team in the south. I don't want to go the Texas route or the Oklahoma route because that's Big 12. That's its own conference. It's not there. You want something that feels very southern, and Louisville feels very southern. So does Clemson. By adding those two teams, you're making the East a stronger conference because the West right now in the SEC is probably arguably stronger. By adding those two in there, it allows for a full, well-rounded SEC East, and that way you can have better competition on those sides. Again, both teams are very, very Southern teams, and they fit in with the landscape of SEC football. Again, Louisville is uh, it, Louisville needs this to be in there to up to updo their pedigree, and it gives another quality basketball team That's it. to the SEC. All right. So, Lyndon Optinich. To add two ACC schools to the SEC. Jake, you'll have uh, two minutes here. You can use Clemson and Louisville in your argument, and uh, you can get started here in three, two, one. So, uh, ultimate question to me is why would the SEC want to expand? What are they missing? It's, it's the best conference out there. They don't necessarily need to do a whole lot to change things. Clemson sounds great on paper, but one, they'd never join. I don't know if you need to add another juggernaut to that conference to really change much about it. LSU won the title last year. You, you've got to look a little bit more on the academic side. It's something that's going to open your, up your market slightly. So I'm going to go with the first team that I added is also from the ACC, but I would go with Virginia. That's a team that could very well likely leave their conference. They're a top university in the nation. You can boost the academic reputation of the SEC while adding a competent enough school and then tapping into that DC market a little bit more. You're expanding your reach that way. The other one, I'm going to go a little bit homerish on here, but it's a former member of the SEC. It's Tulane here in New Orleans, a top 50 university in terms of the AAU and the only then member of the uh, SEC to would have that kind of affiliation of the top some of the top universities in the country to get that and boost up your academic reputation to really tap into New Orleans even more and get a solid grasp on that I think it makes a lot of sense and so you boost your ratings by getting to that DC market you boost your academic reputation by tapping into both of those schools I think that's what they're looking to do and so those are the two schools that I would add to the SEC plus Tulane already has some SEC title banners that we then could just keep up all right so that wraps up our first round here in this last question so ian what are you thinking about so right now with questions basically 
Uh, Jake it's hard because you're, you're a Big Ten guy, so, you know. I am a Big Ten guy, and the fact that Jake <laughs> said the SEC is the best conference just hurt me. I had to restrain myself, <laughs> um, which kind of leads into my question. You know, other than football, what are these schools bringing to the table? That's, yeah. that's uh, you know, and, uh, and more so than even uh, that, how are these new schools going to compete with the Blue Bloods that are already in the SEC? Um, for Lyndon, I guess where I'm leaning is, um, um, get, sell me more on Louisville, I guess. And, uh, with Jake, I want to know how, um, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia as a town fits into the SEC mold. All right. So Lyndon, you can get started with your last minute here in three Two, one. Academically, Clemson is a pretty decent college. It ranks in the top 70 colleges academically, so you don't lose anything on that factor, and you bring in a quality, quality football team. Louisville, you add to the basketball aspect, thus enriching the basketball culture of the SEC because the SEC has been looking to be considered more basketball relevant. By adding Louisville, you do that. But to me, when you add Tulane to the SEC, I don't know if Tulane could get the amount of talent that the other teams can due to the fact of its rigorous academics standard and academic quality and price of the institution. Granted, you can get scholarships and whatnot, but can they scout with the Clemsons, the Louisvilles, the other schools of the SEC? No, they cannot. And Virginia, to me, doesn't feel as Southern as the other two SEC schools do. When you think of SEC, it's not about the academics. It's about the revenue that they bring in to basically behind their sports with Louisville being one of the top basketball institutions right, to bring it. a lot of revenue to the SEC. All right, Jake, you have one minute here and you can get started in three, two, one. So the basketball point's important and Louisville is a basketball school, but Virginia just won the title. And so adding them in and making them kind of that flagship basketball school is something that the SEC definitely needs. And so that's why it makes sense. It's still below the Mason-Dixon line. So I think it's technically in the South. It taps into the DC market as well. And if you can start to get the ratings from that area and have your SEC schools on there, I think is a really big thing. Um, DC also has a large uh, amount of like Louisiana expats living there too, by the way. So if you get LSU more on TV there, it's just going to kind of boost everything, get Alabama on there more. And I think that's going to be a big draw for the conference. And, you know, again, you can pick top schools and say, throw them in like it's fantasy, but you've got to look at some sort of reality with it. Virginia would be a gettable school. For Tulane, you know, you don't need every team to compete for the top. You just need to boost your ratings, your records. Sometimes that's, right, that's enough. It. Look at why the Big 12 almost that's added it. Tulane. Yeah, that's over. Um, all right. Well, Ian, what are you thinking? Uh, I really liked both of your pitches. Uh, Clemson is the obvious one. Uh, and Jake, I respect you for not just saying, oh, yeah, I'd add Clemson too. Um, Tulane kind of surprised me because – you know, having lived in New Orleans for a year, I noticed that pretty much everybody and their brother was an LSU fan already. Um, so I feel like, you know, the ability of people who live in New Orleans to have uh, a fandom for LSU and a fandom for Tulane at the same time, while both keeping both of them separate, uh, would kind of appeal to people in Louisiana. So you would lose a little bit of that. Um, although I do agree that 
bringing in um, Tulane and Virginia would definitely boost the academic as well as uh, uh, the revenue that the the conference could collect from things like TV money and uh, merchandising sales and things like that. I know Tulane and Virginia both have pretty big alumni bases that like to spend a lot of money on their programs. Um, with Louisville and Clemson, obviously Clemson brings the football aspect immediately, but I, I don't know if they've ever been relevant in basketball, even within the ACC. Uh, and Louisville is pretty much the exact opposite. Other than the Lamar Jackson years, they've never really been much of a football powerhouse since I've personally been watching football. Um, although I do agree that it, bringing in that Kentucky-Louisville rivalry would be something to add to the basketball culture of the SEC. Um, I'm very torn on both of these pitches. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Jake just for creativity with the Virginia pick because I never would have guessed that, but it actually does kind of work with the way the SEC has been going uh, or just the way that their their conference structure is set up in, in general, I think. Virginia might be a little bit more uh, of an attainable goal than a Clemson who the ACC would fight tooth and nail over losing. So for, for me, my point's going with Jake in this round. All right. Uh, for me, when I think about Jake's pitch, I, I love Tulane, actually. I think Tulane would be a, gr a good addition. Um, and I think, you know, where my idea of this pitch goes is what it, feels like the sec what feels like a place where people are going to go to watch the ball games where i think tulane in new orleans people would love to be able to go to an away game in new orleans it'd be perfect best case scenario and as much as beautiful as charlotte's charlottesville virginia is i that's where i'm kind of wary on it and when it comes to teams leaving to go into the sec there really is nothing that already ties virginia into the sec where the other two you have SEC tie-ins. You have the two rivalry games that, and two um, states that are divided based on that love. Ian's point later on where he was saying that when I was in New Orleans, I didn't really know that there were an, enough Tulane fans for there to be any sort of animosity. It's not the same when it comes to Kentucky and South Carolina. They're almost split down the middle. And so that's where I feel like adding those two teams adds to the culture of what the SEC has when it comes to their fandom and like, you know, battling it out. So I'm going to go with Lyndon's pitch. So we're going to go back to the third judge again, and we'll find out who wins this match. Ooh, man. That was get a, a, like a, a drum roll stinger here to that like, was, throw I, 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 I put back. that in in the back, but Ian, I was going to say to you, man, Jake had one good one. I had two good ones, you douche. <laughs> I was going realistic. Clemson's not leaving the ACC. That's There's no chance that would ever happen. We can talk oh, about sure. that all for, we want, but if it doesn't sure. matter. I, 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 I'm not mad at that. Almost added Tulane for the reasons I spelled out there. Like, oh, it's a good school. It's what it'd be what the best one in our conference. We need something like that. Well, and if I'm you not, take away Clemson go, go by your logic. Let's throw let's throw USC in here, right? No, you can't. Southern California <laughs> no. in in the title. So it so it means no, exactly. That doesn't work. I'm going Just by like region Clemson based. doesn't work. I'm going by region base. I'm going by Southern <laughs> California. <laughs> but I do think my Louisville choice was solid. That like, and we can get South Dakota. In that one was good. Well. I'll give you that. I don't think they'd leave the ACC either, but that one was at least good. I do think you could get Virginia to bounce out of there. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I liked your Virginia one. Tulane one was the stretch for me because I just don't know if they could get the talent. And because the, yeah, the we'll academic see, rigors is, is real. Like, I don't know if, if those football players. Oh, no, they, they'd get a small boost in recruiting based on being in the SEC and people who aren't good enough to go to the other schools want to go there. They'd still be one of the bottom two or three teams in the SEC. They'd be like every Vanderbilt. Year and you risk them. Yeah. Yeah, you risk them going winless in conference play 100%. But their pros outweigh the cons for what the conference would legitimately need. And I think that's one of the reasons why I picked them. And also I went there and it would be really cool. The fact that we won the SEC <laughs> in 1934 would be cool, you know, to say like making our triumphant return. So they, look, there's reasons for it. Again, the Big 12 almost added them for like those reasons so that teams could go to away games in New Orleans, New Orleans. and it's easy to get to. It kind of ties into all of that stuff. Um, and the fact that that like actually picked up steam over other universities before the big 12 was like, no, we're not going to change anything and be stupid. Um, you know, (laughs) it was like kind of surprising, but it makes sense for what they need in there. That AAU affiliation is huge for the conferences. That's a fact. Yeah. One, if they have a large alumni base like Tulane does, that's willing to spend a lot of money on things like uh donations to the team or the athletic department or merchandise or my day job is a fundraiser for tulane Mm -hmm. yeah my day job is a fundraiser for tulane i literally get alumni to give us money see what he said you'd see that really pick up what you got it was was quite a um conversation with the third judge and um he is going to go with louisville clemson nice oh man oh this was a this was tough on my soul this was very like i said this was very hard i prepared for this for weeks jake to me jake to me is the one of the best like there were some tough questions for sure he is he is the epitome of what we wanted for this game and i think next season is going to be back to this i think it'll be a championship match against me and him again i believe we are probably so i believe we are pitched celtics and lakers of the 80s <laughs> like i 100% believe that he's bird and i'm coming with magic johnson and we're just going to keep battling it out over this couple of no couple no, of years. no no we're we're going to reverse that being <laughs> that i'm from los angeles first and foremost you you could be larry bird that's not a bad person I, to be Go I'm ahead. Cool with bird. not I'm a cool with... not a chance don't you dare put that green on me <laughs> but you get but you get what i'm saying i i wouldn't have rather played anybody and this makes me so excited for next season but i like i, I, told I mean you, i think you know going through some of the pit, pitching matches we've had i think jake has given us some of the best pitches mm-hmm. especially in round one. Oh yeah no that's so. a fact that's a fact and like I said, I, I wanted to bring this home for the family, for the Wolfpack. I did it for you guys. And I will hold up this belt. You'll see the belt in a couple of, when I get back from vacation, off, uh, when we bring the uh, show back, not next week, but the week after, I'll have a belt. And yeah, man, I'm excited for next season. And again, thank you to Jake. This was an amazing match. And I just feel like I said, Jake is the epitome of what we wanted for this game. And I feel like yeah. it's going to be us in the championship next year. Hopefully Ian can do something to change that though. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah. the uh, the Lakers and the Celtics better watch out for the Pistons coming. <laughs> there you Man. go. Okay, now we just gotta find Bulls somewhere too, and we yeah. got like the the power a, four here. Get us an MJ, Jake. <laughs> any thoughts on what you have to say about just the league, the season, what you're looking forward to next year? <laughs> um, it's it's gonna be weird. Uh, we have media day um, tomorrow, Monday. I think is when we're gonna get some availability on this. I have no idea what we are going to see next year with COVID and playing outside of a bubble. And while it was successful in Orlando, I do wonder how this is going to work. 
Uh, but I do trust the league maybe more so than the NFL to try and pull this off. It's going to be fun. Zion's going to improve. Brandon Ingram's an all-star growing into that role even more for New Orleans. You're adding Kyra Lewis Jr. And I don't think you'll see him play a ton to begin, um, but should get more time as the season goes on. And he fills some holes. So when you keep looking at this Pelicans team, a bit of a disappointing end to last season. It's still one of the younger teams in the league. They got even younger. They got a little bit nastier by adding in a guy like Steven Adams to them, um, which is going to be a fearsome defender down low, kind of that much needed like toughness and nastiness, which I think they were missing that little bit of an edge. And he's certainly a guy that's going to bring it and kind of plug some holes for him. So it's still going to be, it's going to be a brutal Western conference slate that they've got to get through, but you just got to get to 10 to get into the play in tournament now. And I think the Pelicans are definitely capable of that. So Every game is going to matter in a 72-game season to get there, and I cannot wait for it in, like, less than a month. Funny thing is, I'm glad we got that. I'm going to clip that for the bros who ball. But I was asking you, how do you feel about this pitch it season? And are you excited oh, for next that. year's pitch it season? Yeah. Oh, please. You think I'm going to spend the offseason just like eating chips on the couch and getting fat or something like this? Not a damn chance. I'm coming for you. Yeah. I'm pissed off at this mystery judge that I don't get to see. So, you know, maybe we need a recount here. Um, I'm willing to put up my own money for that. And maybe we need to throw out some votes, too, because I don't know if this wasn't rigged or not. You know, there's no transparency. My vote watcher wasn't allowed in the back room here for anything. So <laughs> this whole thing's a sham, and I don't believe in your, in your stupid belt anyway. Oh it's actually mine. He turned from face to heel so instantly. Oh, man. I, I He's will coming say, back with a vengeance. Next season, we will have the third judge on camera, and we will allow, if people want, we can change this to a live show on Twitch and allow for fans to vote on episodes of like, be like the fourth, be like a judge and have a say in who they think. I, that'll be something I'll talk to everybody in the league and we'll talk to Schubert to get the logistics. But if that's something the fans want, we're more than willing to make this a live event and make it to where fans vote matter in whose pitches. Yeah, then maybe I'll recognize the winner. All right, we'll do that next season. Until until then, no, I I won. I I got you. We'll do that next season. We'll have fans votes in there. We'll have the third judge. It'll be live. But just know, I got the belt around my neck. Now we have to. I don't think you you want Uh, the belt around your neck. I think you want it around your waist. That's usually what you're into. Some people do. (laughs) Oh, man. Thank you so much, Jake. Tell the people where they can find you out on social media. Yeah, absolutely. At Nola Jake on Twitter. You can find me. I'll be there talking basketball with everyone as we gear up for that season. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, you can find me there and then follow the Lockdown Pelicans podcast wherever you get your podcast. Y'all make sure, and like like I say, I tweet this all the time. Make sure, make sure you go follow Jake on Twitter. Make sure you go follow the Locked On Pelicans. To me, he has the best Pelicans podcast. I listen to his podcast on the daily to understand what's going on with the Pelicans. Like I said, this guy is the best when it comes to Pelicans content. If you're a Pelicans fan and not following him, you're doing yourself a disservice. Ian, tell the people where they can find you out on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ian BWT. You can find me on Instagram at Ian Hawley 12. Uh, you can find me on SoundCloud at Chop Shop. You can find me on YouTube at Old Daddy. That's O-L-E. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah. Go follow me there. Y'all go follow Ian and uh, Schubert. You can take it away, brother. Let's finish. Let's. I'll throw it back to you to finish up. Bros who binge. Man, what a match, Lyndon. You are the champ. Yeah, Dis- yeah. Discount double check, baby. Mm. 
I am the champion, my friend. I'm not going to sing it all because I don't want us to get flagged. Like I said, thank, thank you to Jake. Great, great competitor. Great, great competitor. We're starting up a new rivalry. All you new people coming into the league, just realize, like I told Jake a couple weeks ago, you have to be one of the toughest competitors to take me down. You got to be good in anime. You got to be good in comics. You got to be good in movies, TV, and sports. I'm a well-rounded player. I don't want to say I'm the Jordan of this shit, but... It's really more of like thinking on your feet. Um, and, you know, you got to watch out for Jake Madison as well, because even though he had one loss before the, the, the match with you, you know, he was very good in his first round matches. You know, I can attest to that because I had to go against him. Even though I think I, I should have won the first round of this last match, but I digress. I, I digress. I so digress. But that's for the fans to decide. Yo, I just want to know about round one. Because, like, people, I, I know people are going to be saying Drake's the round one king. Whatever. I just, I, I, I just wanted to, I just want the fans to let me know. Did he actually win round one? Because that monster pitch was a fucking phenomenal pitch, man. I went back and looked at it. It was great. That makes, that makes an incredible TV show. <laughs> like I makes a way better TV show than that saga show. I I want I, I should have I should have threw the jab of how I was gonna pitch saga. I was uh, in, but then I was like, I thought of something better. I should have said that. But yeah, I did, I you should have said that because that was the thing. I thought of that like legit. I wrote it down. It's in my notes. But but I you know we mentioned it, it uh, that you know hopefully next season we'll do some live th- stuff where we can get some fan interactions and you can voice your opinion on what you think about some of the pitches. That's a fact. Um, so that's definitely um, a lot of potential moving forward for pitch it. We may even get a little bit more exclusive with it, not be an add on to the show. Um, if but that all depends on how you re- receive it and how you like it. So let us know about how you like this pitch it match, how the season went, and we got a big especially what you what you thought about some of the pitches in the show. Yep, let us know what you think. Let us know if you're excited about it. We got a bunch of people come and compete for the for the belt for the crown. They're coming try to take it off my head, but they're gonna have to fucking claw because god damn it, I'm not letting it go. I'm doing it. For you, this is our faction. Our faction is the wolf pack, and I'm fucking strong, and we won't lose. I plant my flag and I stand. Battle of the fucking bastards, baby. I'm Jon Snow hawking up my sword, and I got the knowledge of the fans coming behind me as my fucking saviors. And we're just like, let's fucking go. But I digress. I'm, I'm excited, man. Next season's gonna be lit. God got a lot planned. And yeah, we'll see if anybody can take the bell from me. We shall see. Ian, Ian shall is like see. Ian is super hyped for this. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's judging us, <laughs> but he's like been like, uh, I think every time that he's judged, he's like, oh man, I wish I was in this. I would have <laughs> yeah. come up with a better pitch. <laughs> he's done that every time. I'm gonna wait. I, I, I'm interested to see his first match when the lights hit. Because when the lights hit, it's a different. It's different. I've, I've it's talked different. about it before. Like, you will sweat through a shirt playing that game. It is different. It is different. Oh, and the stress. Like, you can't, like, going into round two being down. I couldn't look at y'all. If you if you go look at the film, I couldn't look at them. I could not look at Schubert or Ian. Ian's laughing. 
And I and Schubert, I don't even know what he was doing. Ian was the only one I saw. Ian's laughing. So I'm like, oh, well, fuck you, Ian. I got to come correct. So I just don't look at him. And then I'm down 1-0. And I'm just like, I got to fire off some good pitches. And then the last round, the fact that it was sports just broke my fucking heart. God. That was like a... I agree. That was Lyndon, like, having to hezzy up, hit him with the... Hit him it was, with the, the fucking Michael Jordan clutch shot over fucking it was so funny Craig Elo. Because I'm, I'm telling you and Ian before the week, I'm like, the sports questions, man. I'm having so much issues. <laughs> like, coming, coming up with, like, sports questions to, like... And then, you know, the one that I end up making just, like, the day before the pitch it match is the one that ends up getting chose. I'm like, oh, man. God. I was just... I was honestly super surprised that no one, like, pulled out anybody because I was going to, like... My whole deal was I was gonna be like, okay, we'll take out Missouri, and wow, like, you know, neither of us, neither one of us, were like super adapted like college football like that. that yeah, was just, that I mean, was like, oof, I'm lucky I went first. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There really wasn't a lot of other sports questions that I feel like would you guys would have liked any better. Like that's when I was thinking, I was like, oh man, he's into sports. Like, there's so many movie questions. That's what I wanted, but he knew it was fair game, like. He knew. He knew. But that's why it's good because we got the belt. We have we have questions to use for next season. So Mm, mm, that's what's on my shoulder for you guys, the people, baby, my team, my family. I did it for fucking y'all. I told I I told y'all I was gonna fucking do it. Even though wait, 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 wait. The network poll said I was gonna fucking lose. (laughs) Fuck (laughs) y'all. Y'all said I was gonna fucking lose. Fuck y'all. I I fucking did it. Y'all doubted me. Y'all fucking doubted me. Shout out to the people who fucking voted for me. The 25%. That's us. That's fucking us, yo. Oh, did it for the 25. Shout out to the 25. That's gonna be our new name. The fucking 25%. Because fuck the rest. <laughs> the, the haters, bro. Gosh, I know you, I'm so happy you brought that up. The fucking poll had me losing in a landslide. Fuck the poll. Gosh, that hurt my soul going into the match when I saw that. I was like, wow, no faith. Shout out to the fucking 25%, baby. I don't know, man. People, people had I, some I respect. Told you, I told you I was the underdog. Again, again, underdog came in and fucking Rocky Balboa'd that bitch. Rocky 2, not Rocky 1. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, Lynn, tell people where they can find you at. Uh, you can find me at LynnBWT, Father Bros Who Think, at Bros Who Think. A lot of content, run it backs. There'll probably be an Akira one out. If not, it'll be out soon. We're about to, we're going on vacation for a week. We're about to just be off for a week. But when we get back, full th- throttle ahead, just recharging the juices. You'll definitely have a, a, a good, the bad, the ugly run it back. And you'll have some other videos, but expect new content really. Like, new, new content, really, like, on, like, the 14th. Because that'll be when the new Bros Who Think pod will drop, so. But other than that, go check up on some of the old shit. We got a lot of good shit. Tenant review, if you're just catching that. Don't know what episode that is. You'll just have to comb through all the Bros Who Binge. Got some good running backs. The Super Bad review. Shit was fire. I actually, uh, think, I actually think the Tenant review might be pinned on my Twitter, if people want to look at that. Okay, y'all go check that out. And, but, yeah, that, that's all we really got. Schubert, enjoy your vacation, because when we get back, we're going to be working, brother. Yeah, man, we're going to be working, but at least people will be able to listen to our thoughts on the good, the bad, the ugly. That's a fact. 
Crazy, um, Ian chose that. that now that's like yeah, a Lemon movie. He, he chose that one. I think what uh, Ian really appreciated, and you know, I appreciated it too when we started the running back was that we picked Goodfellas, and neither of us had really like seen it? seen that a lot, or like you know, I think we had both seen it, but we hadn't seen it in years, so it was not anything that we really like analyzed. And so, like having to go back and see something that we really weren't like too familiar with was like a fun experience to do. I haven't, I haven't had one of those yet. I need to, y'all need to pick a movie that I haven't seen. All right. Yeah. I can think about that. I haven't had one of those yet. All these movies I've seen countless times, especially my girlfriend was just telling bitching to her friends about how I've watched the good, the bad, the ugly at least four times during quarantine. Damn. This is going on the fifth time. I fucking love that movie. It is so good. It is the, it is the paramount to every Western that has ever been created ever since, since its inception. Granted, it was highly influenced by Sam. It's the essential one. But like without this movie, there's no Trigon, there's no Cowboy Bebop, there's no Quentin Tarantino. All the things that I love are in this movie. I mean, in a sense, there's no Star Wars. There's no Mandalorian. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a fact. That's a fact. So. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hubert 14 and make sure you listen to everything going on with the network. I uh, hope everyone out there has a great couple weeks since we won't be with you for a while. And Yeah, and we'll be with you get, for like oh, for a week. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd say this week and then the week after. Yeah. Um, so I hope everyone stays safe out there. Everyone is healthy and getting ready for the, the next holidays. So everyone... Have a great week, and as always, keep binging.